You're listening to Wide Men Can Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network, located at blogtalkradio.com slash widemencantjump. We're brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New, wowfreecam.com, and facebook.com slash makeupkennedy. You can check us out anywhere and everywhere you find podcasts. Now, for the host of your flagship program, here's Tom Robinson and Nate Bush. Here on Wife's Can't Jump, and what are you doing? We've got a huge, huge show lined up for you this evening. And joining me, as the Carol of the Bells finishes up, is my man from up north in Canada, Tim Dombrova. Tim, what's up? Oh, it's another beautiful day in paradise, my friends. How's everything going? But wait, but wait. Also joining us. It's Tom Robinson. Robinson's The Return. Oh, oh, oh. That, that actually popped me um, for two reasons. One, one, it was creative and I liked the song and all that, but two, Robin called me a shady motherfucker one time. And when you say shady's back, that has a double entendre, so to speak. I'm glad that popped you. I've got a few little surprises up my sleeve. Got a few little surprises up my sleeve this evening. You never know what's coming. But the gang's all back on this holiday edition of Wide Men Can't Jump. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's the holidays. It's the most wonderful time of the year. That's right. The most wonderful time of the year Uh, here on Wide Men Can't Jump. I told you, I've been as, busy. As, as, as Tim and I want to fucking kill ourselves, you're all happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, yeah, the, but the we're enthusiasm back. of the young. <laughs> well, let's just go ahead and get to it. TR, it has been a minute. You've been busy off living life and doing things to do with work. Um, you told me the other night you've been watching some Sixers basketball Let's go ahead and dive into it here early on. Sixers, what are your thoughts so far on the Philadelphia 76ers? We're looking at their record right now. They set uh, right now fourth in the East at 20-12 and 12, uh, behind Indiana, Milwaukee, and Toronto, and a half game up on Boston as the top five in the East are beginning to separate themselves. What have you seen from Philly? What do you like? What do you not like? Well, that's kind of a deceptive record considering they are uh, 14 or 15 and 2 at home. So, uh, as you saw, San Antonio just plastered them. I, I DVR every game and I kind of get to it. It's it's very, uh, what's the word? It's pain in the balls, for lack of a better word, to not be as active with NBA uh, due to work and so forth. But, um, you know, I, I like Jimmy Butler. He's done nothing here 
as he did to your team. Um, he seemed to have got up Ben Simmons' ass a little bit. Um, Ben's more aggressive. They both wear headbands from time to time if they're playing together. And I don't know. I think he's improved his game a little bit. He's shooting a little more. And uh, But overall, uh, Joel allegedly quoted that he doesn't like his role since Jimmy came or so. I mean, it's it's typical <laughs> Philly. It's, it's the soap yeah, opera but... team of the NBA. And Go ahead, Tim. The, the difference there was, though, that Joel was promptly told that if he wanted to score a few more points, he should maybe go under the basket where big men go. Oh, wow. <laughs> so... Yeah. I've always said Jimmy, that about him. As Jimmy doesn't Jimmy doesn't uh, take very much shit from the young boys, so he he, he retaliated to that quite quickly. Yeah, uh, I mean, the in the know people have always uh, questioned Brett Brown's ability to take a team to the next level, and I'm starting to be on that um, on that wavelength of thinking. Um, I I don't think he's a bad coach. I don't think he's a good coach. I just think he's a coach. And since he got rid of Markel and Joel and uh, Jaleel and everybody else with an L on their name, um, they went at home. Timothy. They went on the road. Yeah, TLC, uh, Rocco, you know. Uh, and, when they were when they were in that fucking when they were in the Sam Hinkie year when they um, were tanking, he jogs every game. Uh, Brett Brown before the game or like around the, you know, whatever stadium they're at or what have you, and uh, puts headphones on and just runs. And uh, Devon Gibbons from ninety seven five was pointing that out on his Twitter or something, and I said he ain't fucking jogging. He's trying to escape. Yeah, but uh, now <laughs> he was doing the flock of seagulls, was he? Yeah, he ran. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, all right. Uh, are you 29 yet? You've been 28 since we started this shit like seven years ago. Are you 29 yet, Nate? Nate? What's that? I'm sorry. Are you 29 years old yet? Uh, no, I'll be 29 in March. Sorry, my fiance. Was you've, been fun, you've been 28 for like seven years. How long have we been this show? It's been a little over a I year now. Waiting, uh, I keep I've waiting been, for that uh, birthday. I keep waiting for March that birthday 10th. announcement on Facebook. March 10th. Oh. March 10th. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be 51 before you're 29. Good God. I'm a young one, man. Yeah. Can't help anyway, it. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Sorry to get off topic, but it was just I was when you had the flock of seagulls song in your brain, then it kind of uh, confused me as a as a young buck would know that. But anyway, back to the Sixers. Well, he probably knows it from a video game or something. He knows it. Know the, uh, I played a lot. Of, I played art. a lot of Grand Theft Auto Vice City, so that that was on there a lot. Oh Christ! Doesn't have a clue. <laughs> I who you were the, who the, doesn't have a clue who the who they really are. <laughs> yeah. I know about the hair dude. Well, yeah, there it is. Yeah, I I I do, I do enjoy, and I wish the Sixers the best. I don't have any real pet peeves now that Fultz is kind of proving me right all along. Uh, you know, a couple things people could point out, like uh, like Kawhi Leonard proved me wrong. He's not 
like nutcases can come back and be pretty good because he's pretty damn good this year, as is Toronto. And uh, the Bulls are not looking like they're going to make the playoffs, Nate, so we're both wrong on that. But just about everything else is correct that we predicted. Yeah, I mean, we, we struggled we, we struggled on the Bulls uh, a little bit. They're the worst team in the league right now between them and Phoenix, believe it or not, of all teams. But the Bulls are 15 and a half back of, of first place, so not looking good for them. But then again, we were really wrong on Jabari Parker. I mean, man, he's out of the rotation in Chicago. That news broke the other day. Um, Jabari Parker out of the rotation, and, and he's got a two-year, $40 million contract. Of course, the second year is a team option, so at least they did kind of hedge their bet a little bit uh, with yeah. that. But, man, he, uh, just a he guy. Pulled, he pulled the Jamarcus Russell, got that money, and just said the hell with it. Boy, boy, didn't he. Floor spacing has been terrible with him. He can't do – he just he just really is to, – to, to coin a term, he's struggle bussing in a bad, bad way. And his career is kind of just uh, – I don't know. I don't know who's going to be willing to take a risk on him anymore because out of the bulls and his comments about playing defense, I mean, nobody really is, is wild about about that. Um, so the bulls were – we were wrong on the bulls. Um, you almost you may have if things continue to roll the way they are right now. You may have pegged Indiana because Indiana is the hottest team in the league right now, and you had them winning the East. Yeah, and right be. now they um, they are two and a half back of Milwaukee. Had a rough loss uh, last game though, if I'm not mistaken. I believe they lost their last game. Um, let me find that. They no, they did. They won their last game. I'm sorry, they did. No, they, they just lost to Cleveland tonight. They lost to Cleveland tonight. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, that's it then. Then that's the last game they lost. That Larry Nash Jr. hit a trip, hit a tip in at the buzzer to beat them, and and that was a you can't lose to Cleveland. It, it is night two of a back to back, but come on, Indiana, come on. The Sixers, the Sixers lost to Cleveland here. That was one of their two, along with the Nets. They played down to their competition, but. But yeah, Cleveland. You know, Cleveland sucks and everything. But at least they're trying. Like it doesn't seem like the other teams at the bottom are are, are trying. Atlanta uh, had a like, big uh, win against Washington tonight. Believe it or not. Christ! As soon as I speak, there's a contradiction because I didn't see any <laughs> scores tonight. Or anything. Nobody yeah, Atlanta. Nobody wants to Go get ahead, too Tim. crazy yet that they're that they're they're already tanking for Zion. They they don't want to quite get that out there yet. They gotta win the odd one still. All right. Well Phoenix and, uh, you know, Phoenix was really having a rough time as of late. They've won three in a row. So you know, they beat Minnesota the other night. Uh they they, they beat Minnesota, they which isn't that hard, but and my team's been a bit of an enigma lately. They're also doing really good at home and really, really sucking on the road. They are in the last ten games. They're five and five. They're twelve and four at home and two and twelve on the road. Um, they lose Yikes. to Sacramento. They lose to Sacramento last week on the road in just like glorious fashion. I can't even remember the final score. I just remember it, it puked me a little bit. To see it, let me see if I can find it real quick because I do want to talk about it since last week. Uh, we want to get into it a little. One hundred seven ninety nine. 
No, they lost to Sacramento 141-130 last week on the road. And then the next night they they did lose to Phoenix um, one of those nights as well. Then they come home and play the same Sacramento team that they they played uh, on the road. They come home and play them on Monday night, and they beat them 132-105. to They had a 36-point lead by halftime in that game. How's uh, can't explain. How's Rocco? How's Rocco and uh, Dario fitting in up there in the Minnesota cold? You know, Rocco, uh, he's got a, a little bit of an injury right now with his knee. He's got a sore knee, but he's uh, playing well. His defense is awesome. He's actually a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. As far as uh, there's been a few of us that have confirmed that, myself included. Um, okay. Dario, the more minutes he gets, the better he plays. The rotation he puts in with Towns at the four. You put Dario at the four, Towns at the five. When Towns gets the ball in the post and gets doubled, Dario is one of the first guys to cut and knows exactly where to be when Towns needs him. So, Dario and, and Roko are doing good. But, man, when Roko is off shooting, it is painful. Painful to watch. Yeah, and you, yeah, you and were right so about that. stupid looking. He's so stupid looking. That's stupid I like face. Rocco. I think Rocco fits in great with what we're doing in Minnesota. My biggest issue is when he's off, he's off. And he needs to learn when to find the open man when he's off. Yeah. He, 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 uh, go ahead. I just, you know, always felt like just shut up, Rocco. Keep your dumb smile off your face and your weird hair and just be a defensive player. And And that's it. Just set picks on offense or something and rebound and give it to somebody or dunk it back or whatever. Just don't, you know, because a few times he can go, you know, seven for seven from three. But then he'll go over 37 from three and keep taking them. So just keep well, if you if you read Well, if you read the article I posted on uh, on the website, widemancanjump.com, if you haven't read that, what are you doing? But uh, yeah. go check it out. I did post that article the other day. Tim's got one, the cranky Canadian corner, or whatever the hell he's calling it now, because he's Tim, and he's always pissed about something. Get off my lawn. (laughs) Fuck uh, you. (laughs) See what I mean? Um, I did bring up about the subtraction of Jimmy Butler leading to the Wolves' success at the time. Uh, At the time, Rocco was averaging a career high in points, 14.6. Steals, 2.7. Defensive rebound, 5.6. And total rebounding at 6.2. And his field goal percentage at the time was up. And he was playing the most minutes of his career under Tom Tom Thibodeau up there in Minnesota. So that, that's the kind of stuff I bring to the table. Tim's over there just like, hey, you know, fuck all you kids. You know, I said, that's Tim for you. But other than that, I got a bad connection. That's what I was saying. I have a bad connection. Did you say kid Tim's fucking kids up there? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, kid, of course, Tom, in our lexicon, kid being, you know, somewhere between 20 and 25, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we don't want no uh, Memphis wrestling here. Um, no, anyway. no, we certainly don't. We're not going to get into that. We're going to avoid this subject at all costs now. But, uh, anyway. I want to talk more about faults. Yeah, we do Fultz. need to bring up Markel Fultz. We need to talk Markel. I want to talk more about this article that came out two days ago. 
Go ahead, Tim. Bring it up. I, okay, I'm, well, I'm not no, familiar uh, with the article. So well, okay, well, we'll we'll do quick the quick background. Of course, he 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 ran off to L.A. and was diagnosed He's in LA with. Now. Yeah, oh, well, okay, he went and okay, got okay, diagnosed okay. with his neurotic whatever the hell of new whatever it was. And nobody seems to be able to figure out what the hell it is. What's uh, the call I don't even I had know. A na- I, they had a name, and then I I had my own name. Yeah, it's got a name. Uh, uh, but anyways, so he goes out there. I think it's treatment. called. I think it's called needs vagicil uh, itis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't be a uh, pussy. But anyway, um, so he goes to get his treatment, and now uh, nary a word has been heard since that happened. Then huh. two days ago. Then two days ago. Uh, how, how, you're you're a Philadelphian, Tom. How how li- reliable is the Inquirer? That's uh, that's where Stephen A. started and Keith Pompey slash okay. So um, Daily News. All right. Well, so, so here's the story. They'd like to trade him now, but they want a first round pick for him. Uh, good luck with that position. Um, well, now somehow the logic is lost on me. Uh. We were wrong. He sucks. We don't want him. <laughs> but if anybody else would like him, we need a first-round draft pick. Yeah. I don't um, know that all the GMs around the league are jumping at that one. Well, the other story was this. Uh, i got to find the quotes. Um, they're looking to get back more than, uh, than a late first-round pick. But, of course, his trade – Value right now is almost nil. <laughs> I wouldn't All give right, a bag well, of balls for him right now. Right. So, so the only way you're going to get his trade value back up is to play him, and have him be good. In which case, then you don't really need to trade him anymore, do you? So, exactly. Yeah. Uh, are they just even at this point? Is that or that ownership just not going to admit they goofed? That I think you're really on the right. Yeah. yeah, he isn't any good. He doesn't have any value, and yet, and we don't want him. But if we're going to trade him, we got to get a first round pick for him. I, I, you know, the local radio here is painful to listen to because they're, you know, most people have finally admitted that he blows. But and when I say blows, I I use that in the context of being a number one pick overall. Maybe you know, second round if you had a guy that you thought had athletic ability and he has, you know, length and all that shit with his wingspan. But, you know, he blows for where he was taken. And um, it's just like there's some there's some apologists still here. Hosts and call-in guests and stuff that are just like, you know, now at least we know what's wrong. So we when we can correct it, you know, uh, I'm like, what? What's yeah, wrong? He's just not good. Yeah, here's the whole quote. Since the team traded up two picks and gave away another first-round pick to get him, they would prefer to keep him on the roster to see if he can develop into what he was expected to be. Okay, well, that's, what, three years ago already? So I don't see that happening anytime soon. Um, additionally, the team doesn't want to take back such a small return after investing so much, fearing that he could blossom into something much more if they trade him away. Now that none of that sometimes makes any you, sense to me. 
there, there's an old Kenny Rogers song that has a lot to do with what this is. Sometimes you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. And I think it's time to fold. You got a 7 2, and there's an ace, queen, king just popped up on the board. I think it's time to fold. <laughs> well, who's going to blame the Who's going to blame the 76ers if they trade him for anything that they can use? And two years from now, Fultz turns out to be a half-decent player. Nobody is going to blame the 76ers for that, except that they're going to laugh because they picked him in the first place and gave up all that to get him. Have you seen – I was reading a fan-sided article um, talking about Fultz. Apparently, San Antonio could be – could be. Now, this is, of course, rumor. They could be interested in trading for Fultz. And it says here, assuming the Raptors fall outside of the top 20 in this year's draft, the Spurs should have enough assets to get a deal done. San Antonio can offer one of their two upcoming first-round picks in a potential Fultz trade and make the salaries work by swapping Pal Gasol for Mike Muscola, or the Spurs could put Patty Mills on the table if if Philly is looking for someone that can help them right away. Packaging meals and one of this year's first-round picks is too much to give up, in my opinion, with this uncertainty. But the Spurs will be buying incredibly low right now, so it may not take that much to get a deal done. And there's that no, I'll idea. Take, I'll take Patty LaBelle, or whatever her name is. <laughs> Patty LaBelle. <laughs> well, fill in the song joke here, but I don't. I have got. I got nothing. If I can't, only, I can't you know. <laughs> I can't remember any Patty LaBelle songs. Oh shit! But I, I'm assuming you just threw just, one out. I, just, I didn't catch it. So. Yeah, <laughs> if, if only. It just if only blows you know. the mind, though. That that, and they keep talking about. That's the other thing they keep talking about. The ownership group. Yeah. Who the fuck is the ownership will, group? Who, will, who is it? Will 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 the Fresh Prince Smith is part of that? A minority part, but really that fucking. Yeah, that fresh prince motherfucker is sitting out there in California just cashing checks. He don't give a fuck who they draft. He, as long as Ben Simmons jerseys and uh MB jerseys have, get uh, sold. They must have taken well, some I lessons mean, from that from that guy in uh, Florida who owns the Marlins. Well, you know, Will Smith, yeah. he you know he's one of those guys, he's out there in the wild, wild west, you know, doing what he can and <laughs> cashing the checks. <laughs> Living the dreams, you know. I'm, you can't I'm blame surprised when I'm surprised when when Colangelo picked Fultz and got screwed over by Ainge that he didn't feel Jada. Duh. <laughs> Never mind. I didn't. I didn't Jesus. know how I was going to make that work. Jesus. Cool. <laughs> it wasn't bad though. You were you were on the oh, right track. You would have stayed with it. You would have. Yeah, oh, are. That was so bad, but it, it, it it's always good to go after things, man. You just go after the pursuit of happiness, okay? You just keep at it. <laughs> oh God. And I bet working as working that job works on you, man. I bet you've lost at least seven pounds. Uh, I don't. I, I, it's funny. It's a physical uh, choice of employment for me because for a normal person, it's probably fine. But for me, I'm in a coma every night. But. Um, <laughs> I, I literally I sweat through everything, and I literally lose weight, and the pants are loose and come down. And then I eat dinner, and I'm right back up the next morning. I can't button my pants. It's like the, the quickest nobody, yo-yo weight loss thing. I ever. did see a stunning photo of you in your in your company garb. 
Yeah, I did too. Yeah. Yeah, my buddy, uh, childhood buddy, lives up where I was delivering, and he he said, do you want to sit down for lunch? Like, I, I, I don't even – I take lunch, and I don't even get a sip. Like, sometimes I take soda and water, and I'll take – by the end of the 12-hour, I'll have two gulps of water and none of the soda uh, because it's that busy, at least for me, maybe because I'm retarded. I don't want to say that Seven Pounds was a Will Smith movie and everybody missed the reference, but I'm going to say Seven Pounds was a Will Smith movie and everybody missed the reference. Oh, dude. I did. I did miss the reference. I didn't know it was Seven Pounds. So, would you say then that my new nickname for you is appropriate then? (laughs) Maybe. For me? Yes, I've decided to, I I want to call you from now on Throbinson. (laughs) Yeah. That's accurate. And I kind of figured it kind of covers a lot of things without us getting into any of that. Well, yeah. Before we, <laughs> let me get back to the basketball show that was supposed to be. Oh, is that what we were doing here? here? Oh, all right. Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, DR, we're looking here. Uh, we'll, we'll stay in the East for now. We're kind of just looking all over the place. Milwaukee, your boy, the Greek freak that you fell in love with. Uh, he's been doing great. Yeah, I'd like to fucking fuck him in his ass and, My and God. Eat, it, eat him out. <laughs> oh Jesus, Karen! <laughs> I just, I just, I just wanted to, I just wanted to add some fucking controversy. Since you said I fell in love with him, well, he's a Greek freak, <laughs> and he's a freak, so that's yeah, true. Freaks like ass shit. He's probably on board on that, to be quite honest. <laughs> Where does that logic come from? <laughs> I don't know. I, I no, eat that's, Greek yogurt. That's always been a thing that Greeks were the ones who started all that nonsense, you know, with all the other oh, Greeks. Right. Hey, Greek you know, people like it is the like assholes. It. Okay, well. But uh, yeah. Greek freak right now, he's averaging 26.8 points per game, 13 rebounds per game, a steal, a block, and he's shooting uh, 58.9% from the field. Good lord. God, what a bum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this guy, where'd they find him? He needs him? to go work on his game in the G League. Uh, some, <laughs> some Philly host, some Philly host, yeah, right. Some Philly host had, a, had, it wasn't recent, but I remember, and I forgot to bring it up to you guys. They were like, would you trade Ben for, like, Giannis right now? And they're like, no way. That, I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Of course I would. <laughs> oh, God. Ben, uh, you know. What fucking Ben are you talking about, Ben Franklin? Okay, what's and like? What what's the river that runs through the the city of Philadelphia, the big one? Uh, the Delaware. Okay, that fucker has got to be poisoned with some kind of mind control shit or or something. Yeah. Who would not? I mean, there's not an executive in the league that would make that trade except the guy in Philly. Yeah, probably so. Probably so. Well, Milwaukee wouldn't take uh, it. I'll tell you that. <laughs> No, nah, yeah, nah, they wouldn't. Milwaukee, Milwaukee's maybe, not that drunk. Maybe they're out there trying to win the. Uh, uh, I can't remember how the guy worded it, because they were going to award one in football to the executive that, uh, in making trades, helps more than one team. Like they're going to give it to John Gruden in football. Oh, gee, well, he didn't help his own team. I'll tell you that. Yeah, no, but he's but he, and yet he still managed to help three others. You know, that's an yeah. executive. Yeah, that 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 could be labeled the Jim Ursay Award, for, you know, because Ursay's a <laughs> fucking drunk driver and all that shit he did. 
the Colts guy. But oh, anyway. Man. So we need to talk about the trade that happened recently. Trevor Ariza was traded from the Phoenix Suns over well actually before we before we get there, before we get there, let's talk about the trade that almost happened and then the <laughs> trade that did happen. Okay, I don't know if you guys saw this. I know. Oh, I'm I did and I laughed. Because in this day and age this I have no hilarious. idea how this happens. <laughs> this was absolutely hysterical. <laughs> there was a three team trade <laughs> according according to this. Washington, Phoenix, and Memphis. This is Adrian Wojnarowski, so here's a Woj bomb for you. Have agreed in principle on a deal to send Wayne Seldon and Dylan Brooks to the Suns in a 2020 Grizzlies pick, second-round pick, and a conditional 2019 second-rounder to Washington. Now, Trevor Ariza was to go to the Wizards, Kelly Oubre to the Grizzlies, and Austin Rivers and the two uh, Suns role players, which was Seldon and Dylan Brooks, were supposed to end up uh, to the on the Suns. They was the Grizzlies players to the Suns. So apparently, it was supposed to be Marshawn Brooks, not Dylan Brooks. And the sources then said the deal became in jeopardy over which Brooks was being traded, Marshawn or Dylan. Apparently. According to this, the deal is dead. Memphis and Phoenix finally talked directly. Apparently, this was all bumfuzzled on the Washington end, and there was some confusion. Memphis refuses to include Marshawn Brooks over Dylan Brooks, and the Grizzlies are now out of the trade. And, <laughs> yeah, this is the only thing that you. This is only something that can happen in the modern NBA. We have all these forms well, of technology, one, and they can't pull off a deal one like for the Brooks. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> oh, boy. That was wonderful. Thank you for that. The, 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 the Brooks, uh, they really wanted was killer Tim Brooks from World Class Championship Wrestling. Yes. <laughs> so then, Phoenix then agreed to send Trevor Reza to Washington the next day. The Wizards traded Austin Rivers and Kelly Oubre to the Suns to get rid of Trevor Ariza. All right, so Wizards land Ariza, Suns get Oubre and Austin Rivers. All right, not done yet. Not done yet. As after the trade, the Suns agreed to part ways with Austin Rivers. <laughs> uh, and it's it's oh, going to become a free agent. So Austin Rivers is now a free agent. Philly will pick him up probably. I mean, I'm just speculating without even thinking about it, but they they keep talking about spicing up their bench, so don't be surprised. Uh, that's just a guess. But I'm trying to figure out, for the life of me, I am trying to figure out why they released Austin Rivers. They need a point guard in the worst possible way, but yet they cut the one point guard that they trade and get. It makes no sense. We well, remember the. Remember those rumors back in the day? Rivers might be a little dick. Not little, but he's probably tall. But uh, young, I always call little young. Put them in the same, yeah. you know, boat. But uh, that the old school Clippers, like if he fell down on the floor, they wouldn't help him up, his teammates and shit. And uh, he was said to be not liked by, like, uh, 
the old Clippers, Blake and Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan, et cetera. So maybe he's a douchebag. I don't know. But then the owner of the Suns, I don't know if anybody saw, I, I shared it in the Facebook group. In case anybody missed it, the owner of the Suns released a video. Remember, Tim, last week we talked about the Suns wanting to leave Phoenix um, and demanding yeah. a new arena. But the uh, the Suns, Robert Sarver, wants Phoenix to pay for the arena renovations. And one of the women, this old woman, she just cut a promo on him. <laughs> I don't know if it anybody saw that. I don't know if anybody saw yeah. it. Hold on, let me find it. Let me find it so we can kind of play this over the well, air. And here. To, to update the story, Rivers has signed with the Grizzlies. Okay, so the Grizzlies oh, get Rivers now. That's another crowded backcourt, and uh, that's going to probably limit my boy Javon Carter's minutes, which sucks. Uh, he actually made his debut the other night. We'll talk about him in a minute, but I do want I do want everybody to hear this woman. If you can uh, listen here. Mr. To... Sarver has done nothing to improve this team. In the 14 years he's owned it, he's never funded or bought, paid for two or three key players, which make any sports team, professional sports team, successful or on the road to success. He's so tight, he squeaks when he walks. And you have been negotiating with this kind of person? Shame on each and all of you. And upon you, Ed, I thought your principles were higher and better than this. We are not in the business of paying taxes to support private enterprise, and and especially not an entertainment enterprise. They can support themselves or fail on their own lack of diligence. Well, there you go. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen. Rachel Nichols without her makeup. Give it up for Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Oh, it's so not true. quite too, but, not quite too near to old lady epic proportions, but I think if you could have got her worked up a bit more. Oh man, she really gave Ed down the road, man. So so Ed Bogus out there. Shame on you, Ed. You're listening. I know you are. <laughs> Shout out to Ed. I ain't been on in a while. I know Ed always was a, was a big supporter. Do you hear uh, Still breaking is. news, Nate? I got breaking news. Go ahead. Go ahead. Break the, the news. Uh, the 76ers have canceled a trade between the Lakers where they thought they were getting Alonzo Ball, but really were getting Rajon Rondo. X the trade. Alonzo uh, uh. Rondo. You get it? <laughs> Jesus, yes, and I, I would have took, I would have took Lonzo over. But well, was either that or I went with, uh, you know, they thought they were getting LeBron James, but really they were getting Sviatoslav Mikhailik, you know. But I didn't yeah. think that was going to work as well. No, I'd love a shot. But uh, you and know, Danny Ainge made the call, even though it wasn't involving his team. They seem to trust him no matter what. <laughs> He's probably making more money on. I bet you he has GMs phone him. Oh, yeah. I never. Uh, I would Danny, never. Would do, Danny, I would, would never do, do a deal. If Danny Ainge called me and tried to make a deal, I would hang up immediately because I know I'm gonna. I'm about fucking, to get destroyed. I'd break my fucking iPhone. I'd smash it. <laughs> no, Danny, you, I'm not fucking talking to you. <laughs> There's no way. 
to hell with you, Ainge. <laughs> I know yeah, the Brooklyn Nets are still hurting over that deal. Silver tongue devil, he, that 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 man. Silver tongue devil. You know, what we talked about, about the, the Lakers. What do you think about the Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Before we move on, Tim. Before we move on. You mentioned the Lakers, and I had a minute to sit down and talk with one Eric Pincus, who's an NBA salary cap expert, and he is also the head Bleacher Report writer for the Los Angeles Lakers. We talked all things Los Angeles. So while we got a minute and we brought up the Lakers, let's go ahead. We're going to hear a quick word from our sponsors, and then we will go into my talk with Eric Pincus. So guys, hang tight. We'll be right back after my talk with Eric Pincus. Personal injury, automobile accidents, workplace accidents, mesothelioma, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, all these things and more can be helped by new law office. Stephen P. New will fight for you and your rights. Mr. New, what is there to do if you're in an automobile accident? When car wrecks happen, insurance is always involved. Did you know that in West Virginia, we have the highest percentage of uninsured and underinsured motorists driving on our highways? That means that when you're in a car wreck, your attorney needs to know how to work with your insurance company to maximize the compensation that you'll receive. If you've been in a car wreck, call me, Stephen P. New. For your free consultation, call 1-888-692-8084 or visit newlawoffice.com. Stephen P. New will fight for you to get you where you need to be. He's a proud sponsor of our program, and Mr. New is a stand-up national and local attorney. Stephen P. New, attorney at law, answers to your legal questions. And joining me right now is Bleacher Report head Lakers writer and uh, salary cap expert for NBA TV, Eric Pincus. Eric, thanks for jumping on with us. You bet. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Not a problem. So I've been following your articles to keep up with the Lakers. And if you guys don't follow Eric, you can follow him on Twitter. It's at Eric Pincus. Um, he has got the most up-to-date writings in terms of what's going on in Los Angeles, and he's got a lot to write about now with LeBron out there. Um, but the first thing I want to touch on is Trevor Ariza trade goes down and the Lakers weren't involved. What happened? Because it, uh, it, it was assumed that the Lakers were very, very interested in trying to get Trevor Ariza to Los Angeles. Was the Suns asking price too high? Uh, well, Apparently, there was some level of understanding between the, the Lakers and the, the Suns uh, from a managerial perspective, but it sounds like Robert Sarver, and that's not my reporting, but that's what's out there. I think David Aldridge had that uh, with The Athletic, that basically Robert Sarver didn't want to hand uh, a really good player, Trevor Reza, over to the Lakers to help LeBron. As it is, they've gotten criticized for letting Tyson Chandler go as a free agent, they saved some money, but then he went and joined the Lakers. The Lakers have been really good since Tyson Chandler got there. And I think that Robert Sarver, the owner didn't want to capitulate on that. And so uh, they were asking for more than just Catavius Caldwell Pope. And I don't believe the Lakers are willing to give anything more than that uh, because they value their young players and they're willing to give up a player like Pope 
Carlo Pope, but they're not willing to give up Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, uh, even some of their other younger guys, uh, for a player who's really a rental for them to just try to help them this playoffs. Yeah, and the Lakers team this season right now, they said at 18 and 12, number four in the Western Conference. Um, honestly, better than what I expected them to be. Of course, it's early in the season, but how has LeBron taken this Lakers team and made them better than what they were last season? Obviously, he's the best player in the world, but this team now seems to be kind of clicking on all cylinders, only two and a half back of first place, uh, 12 and eight in the conference. So how are they playing differently since the beginning of the season where they kind of struggled early on? Well, early on, I think the players didn't necessarily know how to fit with LeBron. At, at first, they were playing at a super fast pace, and I think it took a minute for LeBron to get used to playing that fast. Uh, when they're in transition, you give the ball to LeBron in the open court. I mean, there's really no way to stop him. I mean, he's just, uh, you know, ridiculously talented and strong. Uh, but defensively, they they weren't very good. So I, I think it just took some time to learn how to play together defensively. I don't think that in every game that LeBron is a very active defender. There are times he kind of coasts, uh, which comes with age. And also, if you're carrying the offensive load, it, it's it's a lot task of a player for them to also carry uh, carry it forward on the defensive end at, at a super high level. You would like to see that. Theoretically, it should be there, but it's not necessarily realistic. So uh, they've learned how to defend with LeBron, uh, where there are times where he can kind of float and not do as much. Uh, I think we've seen improvements from guys like Kyle Kuzma, uh, Josh Hart, other players. Lonzo Ball is a really, really underrated defender, uh, probably one of the best at his position in in terms of young players coming up. I mean, as far as um, just watch what he does, not just on the ball, but the way he bounces around on switches and, and covers so much ground. So great hands and, and really active. So when they're all in tune and they're all playing really well, the Lakers are a very good team defensively. Uh, their numbers have climbed in both offense and defense. So, I mean, having LeBron, you know, it's like you said, he's the best player in the world. I mean, I'm sure that, Milwaukee fans would disagree or Pelicans fans might disagree. And there are other, you know, a lot of Warriors fans would disagree, uh, but he's certainly in that argument and adding that to a team with good young players and some good veterans, uh, you're seeing the results. I'm not the biggest LeBron fan in the world, but I, you got to, I mean, there's some great young players out there, but until someone dethrones LeBron as the greatest, I, right now he's the best out there. He's playing at a high level at his age. He's got a group of young guys that's playing well together. Um, And I think LeBron's doing a great job with this Lakers team. And it seems like since the the Come to Jesus meeting Luke Walton had with Magic Johnson that the Lakers have improved quite a bit. Uh, Any idea what was said in that meeting or – what happened? What what's changed since that meeting that well, Magic Johnson had with Luke Walton? Well, I mean, Magic gave gave Luke a center, right? <laughs> I mean, they didn't have a center behind JaVale McGee on the roster other than very true. Uh, Zubats, who's not really at this point someone you can rely on for heavy minutes, and Mo Wagner, the rookie that they drafted, was injured. So, uh, I, I don't. I think Magic honestly may have been more upset and emotional about his Dodgers losing than what was going on on the court. Uh, If you watch Luke Walton and you've seen the way his teams play, they start out slowly, spends more time on defense than offense. So over the course of the first month of each season, he's coached, they don't look as good uh, offensively. They, they look 
incoherent to a degree. And the defense, I think, I think what Magic was upset about is if you're not working on offense and you're working on defense, why is the defense so bad? And the answer was is they don't have the personnel. I mean, it, it, everything that Luke had to do when it came to rotation was about accommodating for the fact that JaVale McGee can only play so many minutes. And they found that JaVale wasn't especially good on longer minute stints. So they would go to like four minute stints or six minute stints. And then basically they'd have to figure out, okay, how are we going to play at center? And they were just getting eaten up. You watch that first game of the season and, and they dominated and then they took out JaVale and they got dominated by the Blazers. And uh, I think once they added Tyson Chandler, now Luke Walton doesn't have to worry about any of that. He can play a true center for 48 minutes a game. If it's to his advantage to go small and put LeBron at center, put Kuzma at center, uh, do something different, uh, put Michael Beasley, who's playing sporadically, but he has that flexibility now, or at least once they got Tyson Chandler. It's interesting what happens when you, know, you have the right lineup. So while Magic was upset about what he saw on the floor, it didn't make any real actual, at least my opinion, any actual basketball sense other than just venting frustration, uh, which, it, you know, he's he's welcome to do, and it's his job, and certainly he's got to make sure that Luke understands what they want. But from what I, from my take on it, it didn't it didn't make a lot of sense. It was just a a, a reaction, and I don't think Luke changed anything. Uh, I think that he got a better player in Tyson Chandler, and now suddenly he can rotate uh, around what he wants to rotate and what works for best for the game, and situationally yeah. rather than every game trying to figure out how to play backup center to JaVale McGee. Well, you mentioned Kyle Kuzma, and Kuzma is averaging 18.1 points per game this season. His scoring has, has gotten better. Rebounds are down a little bit, but not by much. So, And he's averaging more assists this season uh, than he has for you know the last year. So what is Kuzma doing with LeBron? Is he playing more off the ball with LeBron to improve? Is he getting more catch-and-shoot looks? Uh, what's Kuzma's game turned into with LeBron at the helm? But I, I wouldn't suggest that it's changed much. Uh, Kuzma's basically doing what he did last year. He's just doing it with better teammates. So he's never been a guy that you give the ball to and he's going to create out of an isolation. And I would say that towards the end of the season last year, uh, the Lakers had a lot of injuries. They didn't have Lonzo. They didn't have Ingram out there. They didn't have a lot of players. So they gave the ball to Kuzma and let him create a few times in those situations. And it didn't particularly go very well. It's really not his game. Uh, and I wrote on on the Lakers and, and Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma and Josh Hart and some of their differences uh, in an article today on Bleacher Report. And I talk about the, the touch time before a shot. And what's specific, I think, to playing with LeBron James, because LeBron has the ball in his hands a lot. And that, that's, you can see that by the touch times. But he, before he shoots, he's got the ball for over two seconds and a lot of the time for more than six seconds. Uh, and so when he's dominating the ball like that, it, he needs to hit someone like Kuzma, who most of his shots come within two seconds of him touching the ball. Same with Josh Hart. I think where the issue they've had with Ingram fitting into the mix is that Ingram holds the ball like LeBron more than two seconds, sometimes more than six seconds, or at least like a third of his shots come after six seconds. So uh, with someone like Kuzma, because he's such a quick attacker, uh, he's not shooting the three ball exceptionally well on the season, although he's been good for the last, I don't know, last few weeks. Really, his numbers are, are actually better when Ingram is off the floor. And so uh, he's just a better fit with LeBron. So you're seeing a, a really good player. I think he spent the early part of the season, Kuzma, 
really focusing on learning how to play defense uh, because he was really bad last year. And this year he's been ranging from adequate to good. Uh, in the beginning of the year, not, not good at all. Uh, but you could even argue in the numbers show, if you take away that Washington loss the other day, that he's been a positive defensively as well. So, yeah, his game is growing. He's, he's, where it's growing is, is he's not just shooting the ball all the time. He's looking to pass, so he's making quick reads. Uh, it just takes time to get in the NBA, play a couple of years till you start to really feel your game and feel confident, know how to play. And then playing with LeBron's an adjustment. I think that Kuzma is actually a really, really good fit. So the, any increase in, in production, I think, yeah, he'd be doing this because he's in the second year. But when you're playing with LeBron, I think that sort of amplified it, and he's been killing it lately. Yeah. Um, you brought up the Wizards, and, you know, I've read your article for Bleacher Report um, last month. Uh, in case anybody hasn't seen it, Eric has an article up on Bleacher Report about Bradley Beal and would he be the perfect fit for the Lakers. You know, you talk about in there how Beal come in next to LeBron and be the ideal guy, but are they giving up too much? Could you explain to our listeners what you think they would have to give up in order to get Bradley Beal now? Well, I uh, it's unclear, you know, what Washington's willing to do. It's unclear what the Lakers are willing to do, but but my sense, having spoken to a lot of people around in and around the Lakers and around the league, is that the Lakers have prioritized bigger fish than Bradley Beal. And that doesn't mean they won't go after him, but I don't think they'll go after him anytime soon, at least in the sense that until they know that Anthony Davis is going to be off the market and is taking an extension with New Orleans, until they know what Kevin Durant is going to do with Golden State or Clay Thompson, I think they're going to wait. Even Clay, uh, even Kawhi Leonard, they might wait. Uh, the article I'd written about, it, it, it quoted some sources that or people around the league, people who work for teams, et cetera, saying that Bradley Beal would be a perfect complement, certainly a better one than Brandon Ingram. But um, I'm not entirely sold. I mean, I would say that you can make that argument, but I don't know if you can make that argument over a Kevin Durant or Anthony Davis. And so because of that, I think the Lakers are going to be patient. Uh, Beal, if he's available now, will probably be available later. And, and maybe he gets dealt beforehand and they miss out. And I think they're willing to miss out if they have a shot at these better players. But that said, uh, the Wizards are kind of a mess when it comes to their money. Uh, they're still in the tax even after trading off Jason Smith for basically nothing. Uh, after trading for Trevor Reza, which saved them a little bit of money, but not a ton. They're still over the salary the luxury tax rather. And then on top of that, they don't have a lot of flexibility this summer. They have a number of free agents. Uh, they, they basically couldn't pay Kelly Oubre based on their financial. They, they could have, but it would have been very expensive with tax. So they bailed out on a, what's a really nice young player who plays two ways. He's not a great scorer yet. Uh, may never be a great scorer, but um, really good defender and, and an effort guy. And I think someone who is exactly what this league is looking for, three and D. Uh, but they lost out on that player. Getting Trevor Reza will help them this year, but I, I don't see him as a long-term fit, So, or at least uh, they don't have any real money to spend. So there are some issues that they're facing, and one of those solutions may be trading Bradley Beal. And if that's the answer, Brandon Ingram, I think, would probably be that piece. But again, that's the piece that the Lakers are saving uh, for these other players, or at least uh, for Anthony Davis. They would try to get Kevin Durant free agency, et cetera, but We'll have to wait and see. I just don't think Beal is the answer yet. It might be the answer later. Well, you bring up Anthony Davis, and a lot of people may not know, but the Lakers are kind of in the market for Anthony Davis as well, uh, providing that they can get him. 
you said Brandon Ingram would be one of the pieces that they'd be willing to get rid of for Anthony Davis. And honestly, uh, I think you almost got to look at it as we'll give up about anything other than LeBron to get Davis there. Um, what's the likelihood that the Lakers can get Anthony Davis and what, what would it take to get him to LA? Well, uh, the starting point is, has nothing to do with any other team, but, but, but the Pelicans and Anthony Davis, and they have to decide and he has to decide what they're going to do in the sense that, he can take this Supermax extension, make an extra $30-plus million that no other team can pay him if he just signs this extension with the Pelicans, and he might. And if that happens, then that's that. He's not going to be traded to the Lakers, not going to be traded anywhere. And the Pelicans are probably going to go down to the last beat and wait and just make sure that he's going to turn away that money. Now, if he comes to them before the trade deadline and says, you know, we're struggling, we're, not, we're barely 500. I'm not going to stick around long-term at that point. They need to decide, do they want to go into next year where he'll be just where Kawhi was just where uh, Paul George was <clears throat> players like that, where they were in the last year, of their deal, their value drops. And you can say, well, look, I mean, the, the Spurs got DeMar DeRozan and they got a nice package in return. Uh, or you could talk about what Paul, you know, Victor Oladipo has been a great player for the Pacers. But at the time, I don't think anyone knew, including the Pacers, that Oladipo was that good. So do the Pelicans want to get into that situation where they've got Anthony Davis at the end of his contract and the value's down? But you could say that, like you said, he's he's one of the best players in the world, and if if he's available, any team would give up anything. But I don't know if that becomes true uh, because you start to whittle it down. What teams have a real shot to keep him? Let's say the Sacramento Kings wanted them. I mean, if they found a trade and traded a bunch of their young players, does he resign? And, and do they get a commitment from Anthony Davis? And are they willing to give up these young players? And are those young players enough for a team like the Pelicans? And, and I think the answer probably would be no, and I could be wrong. So now you start chopping off names, off you know teams off those that list. And I think it shrinks pretty quickly. Uh, a lot of people have talked uh, in the media uh, usually when I talk about Anthony Davis, I get a response. Oh yeah. He'll just go. The Celtics can, can at any point can trade for him if they want. And I wrote about, uh, on bleacher, how the Celtics actually can't trade for Anthony Davis until, uh, July because of some technicalities with the designated tag that both Anthony Davis have and Kyrie Irving have. So unless they're trading Kyrie Irving for Anthony Davis, they literally cannot trade for Anthony Davis period until July, at which point Kyrie becomes a free agent. And if he resigns, then they can. But I don't know if they have the assets at that point. And if they do, maybe Jason Tatum's included in that. And, and if you ask the Celtics right now, they would want to trade Tatum for anybody, just like the Lakers probably wouldn't want to trade Kyle Kuzma for anybody right now. I mean, they would if they had to. So we'll see where the market actually ends up. And we don't know. It's funny because you talk about it from a logical equal perspective everything's equal well you know everything isn't equal when the actual trades happen that's why stars rarely go for equal value demarcus cousins was having a great year when he was traded uh, before his injury and he they got buddy healed uh, who's a nice young player but that's not on value right oladipo at that point was yeah. considered a bad contract you know what i mean so it's rare when a player goes out for equal value so as far as the lakers what would they have to do right now be patient uh, Rich Paul is, is the agent of LeBron James. He's also the agent of Anthony Davis. They probably have some insight because of that relationship into what Anthony Davis is thinking. And so 
if Rich Paul is willing to play hardball, which I would argue that he has shown that propensity, then maybe he can direct Anthony Davis to the Lakers. But the Pelicans aren't going to make a bad trade. So it's just a matter of waiting and waiting and seeing what they do. And if he signs an extension, then it's moot altogether. Yeah. Uh, you did talk about Brandon Ingram in your latest article that you mentioned earlier on Bleacher Report. The title of this article, in case anybody's wanting to read it, is Brandon Ingram a long-term fit beside LeBron or is Brandon Ingram a trade chip? So I pose you the question. <laughs> Without giving away too much on your article, uh, so people will go read it on Bleacher Report, is he a long-term fit for the Lakers? Or is it one of those things where we want him here, but if something comes up that we can't pass up, we gotta re- we got to move him. Well, I, I think at this point, like if someone like KD is willing to come this summer, the Lakers can have KD, they can have uh, LeBron James, and they can have uh, Brandon Ingram and all their young kids. And that, that's that, right? And so now at that point, they decide, does Ingram fit in that? And he might with his length and his versatility. He, he can dribble, he can pass, he can shoot a little bit. Uh, you know, he's actually a good shooter mid-range, but that's kind of the issue. I think is that I don't know if his game is especially compatible with LeBron. And I would argue that it's probably not compatible as the third option or the fourth option with LeBron and KD. Now Lakers may have no shot at KD. I don't know. Uh, But Clay Thompson, some of these other guys, same thing. So there's no absolute pressure to trade Brandon Ingram and he could very well fit in this. And I would argue that to do so, he would need to be a better spot up shooter, a better catch and shoot get the ball out of your hands quickly, get it up, get it up cleanly. And, and if he works on that and becomes a guy who he doesn't have, I'm not saying go stand in the corner and wait for LeBron James to give you the ball and just shoot it, but he needs to have that ability, whether it's from the wing or the corner, he needs to be a, a much better catch and shoot guy. He needs to operate more quickly. What we're seeing is, is LeBron will attack. He'll create an advantage for the Lakers. He'll kick the ball. It goes to Brandon. Instead of shooting it, Brandon then, goes to the mid-range with the ball, tries to create something, may call over a screen, and tries to create an advantage. So you're basically taking away what the advantage that LeBron created to have Brandon Ingram create one. And by the time he gets into it, it's probably like six seconds on the shot clock. There's only 24 to work with, and it's just not necessarily a realistic approach. So I'm saying that the way things are now, which doesn't mean that that's the way they'll be tomorrow or next month or in a year, they're not a good fit right now. And so Ingram needs to improve his game and learn how to fit where he can with LeBron. I mean, remember the Lakers drafted all these young guys without knowing they were ever going to get LeBron James and that they got him is great for the organization, but it changes the trajectory. You're no longer in, okay, we can win in three or four or five years from now. Let's just keep building, you know, adding young pieces. Now they're at a win now moment. And that moment with LeBron, he only signed four years he can opt out of the last one and he's already of a certain age, right? Mid thirties. There's only so much time they have left. And so waiting for Ingram to figure it out may mean that he's the piece to go because he is well thought of around the league. And I think a lot of teams look at him as someone that LeBron is holding back and on a, in a different situation where he's the main guy that they could do a lot of positive things. If they surround him with good pieces instead of him being that complimentary piece, the question is, is is he going to get you an Anthony Davis? Is he going to get you a Bradley Beal or something like that? We'll have to wait and see. In the meantime, he needs to stay healthy and get better either way because if he's going to be a long-term fit with the Lakers, 
or a trade chip. He needs to be healthy. He needs to be out there performing and playing to the best of his ability. And I thought he was playing pretty well this season. I think defensively he's solid. He's good. Yeah. Uh, I think offensively he needs to grow a little bit to fit in with LeBron. Yeah, his numbers on offense have went up a little bit. But looking at another player on the Lakers, um, and he was highly touted um, a couple days ago for the triple-double when LeBron had one. That's Lonzo Ball. Me personally, watching Lonzo play this season, maybe I'm the only one. I haven't been that impressed with Lonzo playing with LeBron. Uh, His assist numbers are down. His rebounds are down. His points per game are down. Um, He is shooting better free throw percentage, but his field goal percentage has has went up slightly. I don't know. Just looking at the numbers, Lonzo Ball's not blowing me away as a number two overall pick. Are the Lakers not willing to wait on Ingram, but they're willing to wait on Ball, or is, is Ball also one of those guys like Ingram? It's, hey, we'll move him if we have to. Well, I mean, given the opportunity and if there's a re- compelling reason, then, yeah, they would move him. I mean, it depends. The goal is not to move him. Uh, LeBron's very fond of him, and they actually fit together really well on the court. Uh, Le- Lonzo's still helping them win games, and he's. Uh, it's hard to explain – uh, in, in flat-out numbers in production, individual production, and say uh, Lonzo's doing this or that, right? Like, he's not hurting them. He's not helping them. The, the, what I see and what I think the numbers bear is that they're really good with him defensively. Uh, he is all over the court. He's good on, on the ball now, much better than he was when he came in the league, and you can see that by like Kemba Walker. Look at Kemba's shooting numbers when he was guarded <laughs> uh, by Lonzo the other day, and maybe he just had an off day but you can go down and, and you can look game after game. And there've been some exceptions and, you know, they're like Trey young killed him, <laughs> but there are going to be players that are not good matchups, but by and large, good players, sometimes even elite players are putting up poor shooting numbers when guarded individually by Lonzo. And then when it comes to team defense, he's, he's amazing. I mean, he is exceptional and it, it's, it's a matter of switching. He switches on any position. He's very active. He, he has great hands great anticipation, great instincts. And so from a defensive point of view, he's really helping them. And he helped his size helps them because they like to switch. Uh, Luke likes to switch one through four or even one through five, uh, depending on the situation. And that's something that Lonzo helps fuel. And then he's also like an accelerant to their offense. The team just plays at a faster pace. Uh, They get out in transition. Now, if you want to talk about the individual things that he does when it comes to scoring and you're not a fan, yeah, he can't shoot very well. He can't shoot. For, he doesn't shoot free throws well, which is a bad sign because if you can't shoot the standstill alone shot well, doesn't bode well for the other shots, right? So he's he's an adequate three shooter. It's better than it was last year, but it needs to improve a yeah. lot. Uh, he's not great at creating in the pick and roll itself. But where they found is they're they're doing they found a way to basically what they're doing is they're running uh, a pick and roll where Lonzo's setting the screen. Uh, for LeBron. And so a point guard is, if they're switching, a point guard gets switched onto LeBron and he destroys them. Uh, or, um, or they're, you know, basically their teams are having to counter it different ways. Sometimes they're blitzing it. And basically the, the solution is to leave Lonzo. And so now does Lonzo, can he make teams pay for it? Uh, can he make the right pass out of that so that he's getting a hockey assist? And there, you're, there's ways of seeing, you know, measuring that you know, hockey assist being the pass. It isn't the one that leads yeah. to an assist, but it's the pass, you know. So yeah. Yeah. 
if if you're looking at like straight up box score numbers, you know, and I write about this on Ingram that, you know, Kuzma's putting in all these points and, and Kuzma's never, I don't think he's even hit 25 points in a game. Whereas I'd rather Ingram hasn't hit 25 points in a game, whereas Kuzma has been averaging over this stretch over 25 points a game. But I point out, it's not all about, you know, if you measure a player by their points per game, then you're not looking at the whole game. And that's not, it's just not the yeah. whole measure. Not to say that's what you're doing about with Lonzo. The, the, what's wrong with his game is very obvious. It's very ugly. <laughs> uh, his yeah. fundamentals are terrible. Really. He has his, his shooting fundamentals, not just coming across his body, but his footwork, his, you know, the, everything about what he does needs improvement. I will say that he hasn't had an off season to work because he had a knee injury. Uh, he hasn't been healthy <clears throat> enough to really have a summer where he could just work on those things with NBA professionals. He would do, it would do a world of good for him to have this summer to just work on fundamentals. I'm not talking about changing his shooting form dramatically, minor tweaks, but more about footwork. And, uh, yeah. But like I said, if someone offered something brilliant, sure. But reality is, is LeBron's very fond of him. They're fond of him. The goal right now is to, if it has to be someone, it would be Ingram, and they'd like to keep everybody else. We'll see if they can get that lucky, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and he, again, I'm not trying to knock Lonzo. It's just he, as I watch him as someone who, and I'll admit I don't get to watch as many Lakers games due to me being on the East Coast. It, I watch him, and I'm I'm just looking at him going, he reminds me of a Rajon Rondo somewhat. Um, he's just got LeBron with him, and that to me that helps. Of course it's going to help, and I, you are right the way they work the screen. But he's got to knock down jump shots. And as a Minnesota fan for years, we had Ricky Rubio. A point guard that can't shoot in this league hurts me. And it's always something mm-hmm. I'm going to not enjoy. So if he can't shoot, it, it hurts me. And that's where my trouble is with Lonzo. He's a he's a bulldog defender. I'm not taking anything away from him there. And if LeBron likes him, then, you know, he's doing something right. But, you know, I bring up Rajon Rondo. He also, coming back from injury, he's got assigned to the G League affiliate of the Lakers. Uh, have you heard any news on Rondo and what's happening there? Um, it's just a rehab assignment to get him some practice. So uh, the Lakers are traveling. They're on the road and such. So uh, you got to get him on the court, get his conditioning up. So he'll play with the team. Real. I don't know if he's even going to make a game. I think it's just a a, a practice assignment. But uh, – yeah, I think it's important. It's easy to kind of get tied to that number two pick. I mean, like someone like Wesley Johnson yeah. has had a really good, solid career in this league. Is he a great player? No, but he was drafted number four. Like if he was drafted twenty fourth, he would have. Yeah, <laughs> if he was drafted twenty fourth, he would have had a great career for a twenty fourth pick. If he was drafted fourteenth, yeah, he'd say, he, "Go ahead." Um, for those of you that don't remember, Wesley Johnson was taken forth by the Minnesota Timberwolves. So I do yes, remember. Yes, falsely. yes exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but he it, at 14, he had a good career, right? Uh, I would say uh, yeah, I mean, maybe I, above average. As far that. as number four, no, he's had a bad career for a number four. So if you attach like the number two to Lonzo, which is where he was drafted, and it's, it's not yeah. unfair to do that. But the problem is, is you, yeah, you know, the, if he can't shoot a standstill catch-and-shoot jumper at a reasonable reliability, I could see the Lakers get to the playoffs and teams completely leave Lonzo Ball alone, and that might hurt the Lakers. It, it probably will hurt the Lakers, and they could lose a game. And if you lose a game because Lonzo can't shoot a shot that's wide open and teams ignoring him playing four and five, 
you lose a game, you can lose a series. And so, yes, it's, it's a real concern. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't slug it off. I think there are things he does that are great for the team, but there are definite obvious weaknesses. But it's that pick that, you know, like Rondo's had a yeah. great career. If he's Rondo, that's, that's Rondo was an all-star. If he's Ricky Rubio, Ricky oh, yeah. Rubio's had a good career. Uh, Ricky Rubio would be, I mean, Rubio's a good player. But that said, you know, the Lakers, the way that Magic Johnson's, you know, when they, when they signed it, when they drafted him, he was saying, you know, leave me some records and stuff. Magic's a hype man, and he overhyped Lonzo Ball, which is you know kind of the opposite of who Mitch Kupchak was, the previous GM, who was all about yeah. underselling and overdelivering, uh, or at least trying to overdeliver. Uh, Magic is all about you know just saying whatever's on his mind and overpromising. And in this particular case, he, I think if you bought into that expectation that that Lonzo was going to be more than that, it's going to be a long time till he's. I, I don't know if he's ever going to average 16 points a game. Yeah, and again, you're right about the picks because we look at players and we over and we think, okay, well, this guy was taken here. He should be this good. And, and the draft really does get us looking like that because if you look at guys like even Andrew Wiggins, who's, you know, career-wise almost a 20-point-per-game scorer for his career, and people want to tout him as a bust, which I see it. I mean, I, I can understand where people are coming from there. And even – you know, you look at Markel Fultz now, and like you said earlier, you, they're going to try and work on Lonzo Ball's shot, but you don't want to change it because look what's happened there in that situation, but that's a different story for another time. So, yeah, the draft pick has a lot to do with the hype, and you're right. If he was, you know, drafted a little bit later, yeah, we probably would look at Lonzo as probably a steal with the way he plays defense. So there's there's no denying right. what you said there. It's true. Right, and it, it's – it's understandable, but you know, it's not like, it's not Kwame Brown's fault that he was picked at first overall. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And the expectations, yeah. the expectations were damaging to him. Uh, you know, you could say, well, he should have been stronger mentally and yeah, sure. But 18 year old kid coming out of high school, uh, you know, everyone, you know, LeBron coming out at 18 was way more mature, but he's an anomaly. Yeah. And most, most of these young guys, Lonzo has a very disaffected personality, meaning, you know, he doesn't show a lot of emotion. Uh, I mean, he, he flexed for the cameras the other day or whatever, but mostly he looks uh, uninterested. And I think that kind of uh, adds to the, this, the, those who are, you know, not sure on him or aren't sold on Lonzo. But I did watch him at UCLA. I'm a Bruin. I went to saw him play over there. And that's how he played when UCLA had one of their best seasons ever. Yeah, it's just his demeanor. So uh, yeah, he's a he's a a hard guy to peg down and nail down. Like Ingram, I think it's easier to say like he needs to be able to shoot the outside shot. But I can say what he is and what he could be, and I see what he's trying to become. And the flaws are very manageable and maybe overcomable. Mm -hmm. But Lonzo's are he's he's outrageously bad at certain things and outrageously good at certain things, and it's a very confusing mix in a basketball player. Yeah, and we're seeing more and more players come into the league now with that kind of laid-back demeanor. Um, it's becoming a common theme because there's a lot of players that you just can't read them. Like, they don't wear their emotions on their sleeve, uh, Lonzo being one of those. So, it'll be interesting to see how his career goes. But for him, I think one major issue that he had coming out was a lot of people wanted him to fail just because of who his dad is. And his dad rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, hyping his son up. 
And to me, I think a lot of people wanted him to fail. And I'm not for wanting a kid to fail because of who his dad is, but I think that may have something to do with it as well. So, but we, I, I do hope Lonzo has a good career. I really do. And, um, you know, we'll probably, we may look back at, at this talk here and say years later, you know what, that's what he was then, but look what he turned into. Absolutely. That's, that's yeah. what's nice well, Eric, about young players is they grow. They do. Well, Eric, thank you so much for jumping on with us here and talking a little Lakers and discussing all things, you know, NBA and some salary cap here and there. Uh, Won't you let our listeners know where they can find you, and uh, I'll let you get back to doing what you were doing. Of course. You can always find me on Twitter at Eric, E-R-I-C, Pincus, P-I-N-C-U-S. I do my best to respond as often as I can. Depends on uh, if it's during a game time. I'm probably going to miss it, but uh, hit me up anyway. Uh, and then uh, Basketball Insiders is where you can find uh, each of my team salary pages. Uh, I publish uh, what players are making and their salaries and all these little details. Uh, and that's uh, at basketballinsiders.com. And then Bleacher Report is where you can find me. Uh, mostly Lakers coverage. I also cover NBA at large for them. So you'll see, like you mentioned, a piece on the Thunder or the Wizards or whatever. Uh, yeah. And then uh, every so often, uh, I was yeah, you'll see me on NBA TV. Usually it trade deadlines and the draft and free agency. And I was on the other day. So here and there, check me out on NBA TV. Well, Eric, next time we get you on, I do have one thing I want to discuss with you and that's um, NBA salary take home versus what they're being paid. If you're knowledgeable of that, how knowledgeable of that subject are you? Uh, Sure. We could, we could dig into it anytime. Okay. As long as you know it, because, you know, it was it was a question raised to me the other day about, you know, when an NBA team goes out, um, does the team cover, you know, their expenses, like their hotel rooms, their meals, all that, or are they forced they to, they get a premium? Okay. So, but there was, there was more, there was more than just that, like me and my, my co-host had talked about it. So uh, we'll, we'll dive into that next time we get you on here, hopefully down the road. So uh, I do want to talk to you about that. I think that'd be an interesting conversation. All right. Thanks, Eric. And we'll have you back on soon. You bet. Thanks. Anytime. And that was my talk with Eric Pincus from Bleacher Report, the head Lakers writer, and also the NBA salary cap expert for NBA TV. Come uh, trade deadline time, you'll be seeing him on NBA TV. Great guest, always fun to talk to. And uh, we'll have him back soon, talk a little more Lakers. So, guys, uh, Tim, before we went to that interview, you wanted to bring up something about the coaching situation in the NBA. Yeah, well, Tom hasn't been around for. I wondered what Tom's thoughts were on the Bulls blasting their coach to high heaven. Yeah, since they fired uh, uh, Hoiberg or the interim guy. Well, you can do Hoiberg. both because Hoiberg gets fired, and then the team currently just hates the replacement that he had. <laughs> we got a uh, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I'm you know I'm not dialed in like I was you know. Two months ago, but um, am I being a grandpa saying that it might be a reflection of the uh, of the millennial attitude that maybe uh, maybe the interim guy wants to uh, he sees the talent that you and I saw and those guys are just not putting out the effort or uh, my way off base. 
I mean, I can see where you're coming from there. Um, the league's just becoming a play. It's a it's a stars league now, it, and that's what yeah. it's becoming. It's more of a, you know, you got to kind of cater to the guy that's making all that money. I think you're right on the money. I think as the okay. coaches keep coaches get older, players really don't. Just just you know, there's always young guys coming into the league that are you know 21 or whatever they are. Yeah. And there, I would say that you're right on the money that what would have worked 30 years ago for motivation, I don't even know that you are allowed to do those things anymore, let, right. alone, let alone practice them. Bobby so, Knight shit. Well, yeah, I mean, there there was a time when, you know, a coach would, would tell a player to, you know, in no uncertain terms what was expected of him. And now I... I think that probably gets you, depending on who you say it to, but, you know, you go after your superstar like that, you're probably going to find yourself out of a job. Yeah. It's probably not going to take that long either. I mean, uh, these guys know that they are well aware that they are the money in the sport. And and they are. I mean, they're they're right. And that the coach is not really – you know, like, I mean, look at the LeBron thing where he's already telling Walton, we're not telling him, but just ignoring him. I saw it the other night where he's he's putting in the play and he's not, he fucking just turned his back. And Walton's wow. like, you know, he kind of gives his kind of little shrug, like, you know, what the hell can I do? You know, I'm not well, going to uh, fight with management Jim, and LeBron James. Well, Jim, Jim Bolin uh, has come out and he said whether he is the rest of the coach as the Bulls, as if he's the rest of the season as the Bulls head coach, in the next season or even with just a few weeks, he is going to do things his way. We did not splinter after the Boston game. There wasn't an issue with splintering. There was an issue of how we're going to, to go about things with practice, what I value, and they have to understand this is not a negotiation. It's not my style, and that's new for them. That's okay. We're just going to win the next play, try, and be productive in the next practice, and that's as simple as that. I hate to make it that simple, but that is what it is. So apparently this wow. guy is quote sticking to his gun. What is it? I said, quote the star maker. Yeah, so he's doing things his way, and a lot of the players don't like it because. <laughs> that went through Nate. What's his last did. name again? Bowl or boiling? Oh, never mind. I thought it was boiling. Anyhow, that's uh, <laughs> why so I was so confused. But uh, yeah, apparently he uh, he's doing things his way, and he is one of those guys who is wanting to have these guys do sprints at practice. He's having them do sit ups. He's practicing them, you know, two and a half hours, and they're not liking that. Granted, the NBA well, season a grind, and that's. A, that's I a tough practice, it, but I will equate it to the hockey thing. The Oilers fired their coach. All right, then yeah. it came out, came out that he was like, uh, you know, really into fitness. That these guys would play a game, and then he wanted them to bike, you know, twenty miles on a bike after the game, and all this kind of shit. And they finally just said, "Fuck that shit. That's enough. We ain't doing this crap anymore." There's 20 of us. I mean, in basketball, there's what a roster? Yeah, about 20, I suppose, if count everybody. Uh, you know, 15, 15, 15 at most. 12, 15. 15 of us. If we all go to management and complain, 
we will win. And he got fired. They got a new coach who is not a hard ass, and I believe they're nine and two in their last eleven. Now, whether that'll keep up or not is another story. But let's let's be honest. They hold all the cards. And if yeah, if, I mean, if, you if, if an your... organization does stand behind their coach, you're going to lose your star player, and the next one's not coming there. Well, you got to look uh, at it like this too. This guy is coaching this team with an iron fist, and that's fine. But these are professional athletes. They're in. They're they are in shape, and the NBA season is a grind. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. A lot of people are supporting him, saying, "Oh yeah, you know they need to go out there and practice hard." This isn't high school. You know this this is a this is a tough league. Well, how many? How many coaches do you think, I mean, and I don't know, you guys are much more in tune than me, uh, how many coaches do you think spend a lot of their time trying to pound square peg into round hole? Because that's where they want it to go, and the players don't. How many times have you seen guys move from teams and suddenly they're so much better than they were where they left? Minnesota. Okay, so so Uh how much of it is – these guys have all got, I would suspect anyway, by the time you get to the NBA, your skill set may change a smidgen. But what you're good yeah. at, you're going to be good at, and what you aren't so good at, you probably aren't going to be so good at. So I would say the key to the coaching is taking what you have and making that work instead of trying to force somebody to be something that they're not. So basically hire Paul Heyman as your consultant to accentuate the strengths <laughs> and yeah. hide the weaknesses. Well, or, or, you know, I mean, how retarded is it if, you, if you've got a player, let's say, for instance, oh, I don't know, uh, let's take Lonzo Ball in L.A. Okay, he, he, I mean, he's a decent player. He, he's never going to be a great player, I don't think. He, he, he might be a good one at, at most. Right now he's okay. Trying to turn him into this three-point bombing machine that they try to do to him is that's not his game he's a passer let him pass no let's pass yeah, I, the ball and I think you know i think tonight he threw up tonight he didn't have too bad a night but most nights you know he's throwing up 14 or 15 three-point shots and making two of them i don't see how this helps the team in any way shape or form you got mm. you got lebron give him the ball well, you did uh, not to not to rewind the show, but you did ask me, and I wasn't clear whether you meant the interim or the old coach. Um, <clears throat> I am sad to see Fred go, but I was glad he had that moment where he beat Hogan for the title in the Atlanta Dome. I was in front of my TV saying, "Hoiberg, Hoiberg." Oh shit! I saw that coming too. <laughs> yeah, so he did have that. He did have that moment. Over. We just thought maybe he had got fired a little too a little too quick. I think it was a premature and, firing. And I'm always of the opinion, to be quite honest, if a team is underperforming or isn't winning or whatever, I always go, okay, who provides the players? That's the GM in most yep. cases, yeah. anyway. All right, so if and who picks a coach? 
I'd be the GM most nine times out of ten anyway. All right, so if the team's failing, who should get the axe first? Yeah, should be the GM. Or or they should both go. You know, we could fire both of you. I mean, look what happened in your town, not to make this about other sports. The Flyers fired their general manager. Oh, no, we don't really think it's the coach's problem. How could it not be? He's the guy who who hired him. Three weeks go by, and then they fire the coach. They should have done it all at the same time. Been done with it. You know, the coach is bad, and, you know, I just don't understand. I've never understood why the coach gets fired first. Except that the GM's trying to save his job, I guess, but. You you missed my horrible, both of you missed my horrible reply to who should get the axe first, and I said Larry Henning. But anyway. Oh, RIP. (laughs) RIP. Yes. Yeah, too soon, too soon. RIP Laverne, (laughs) too. Uh, Penny Marshall. <laughs> anyway, what's that? Shlemiel Shlemazel. But um, when her and Shaq, when her and Shaq were in Orlando, unbelievable twosome. Dear Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on, that was spectacular. And if anyone doesn't get that, they should that be ashamed. Good. That was good. <laughs> um, but Tr, I know you've, you've been I gone. You've been gone for a hot minute. And we've missed you, and we're glad you came back this week, and we're able to give give us a little time here. So I saved something you for you. I have saved something for you that I okay. know that you've missed. So it's time. Bush Lee. That's right. It's a special holiday edition of Bush League. You know that my life alarm system goes off every time that it hears <laughs> Bush League. <laughs> so it automatically sends you... a message to the hospital that I've fallen and can't get up. <laughs> it's life alert, man. All oh, seniors should have life alert. But anyway... Three nominees for Bush League this week, and you know what? These are three of the greatest Bush League moments in history. I'm just going to. Are we having a winner tonight? Oh, I'm crowning a winner tonight. This one. And and do we have video available on the Facebook page? They are available on the Facebook page. I tweeted every single one of them out, so you can go see them. Number one on the Wide Men page. Going to look then. Go ahead, get there, and uh, you'll you'll enjoy these. Okay, you may have to scroll down a little bit, but all these has been within the past couple of days, so, and I did put Bush League on them. So, the number one, I said, maybe the Bush League champion, Channing Fry, NBA on ESPN from December 16th, Channing Fry drives and hits Colin Sexton with a wide open pass. Colin Sexton was on the bench in his warm-ups. Colin Sexton was not in the game. Channing Fry said he was wide open, though. Channing Fry, come on, man. You know what that is. That's Bush. Bush League. You hear me? Definite Bush League. My God. I don't know if that's Bush League. I'd say that that, that screams of some vision problems, I'd say. <laughs> that, that may be optometrist time, but <laughs> either way. issues. <laughs> Talk about a look-away pass. <laughs> <laughs> Our next Bush League nominee. I used, I used to before you before we before you continue. I used to like Stocker Channing. 
But anyway, that's an old reference to keep going. I'm sorry. Our next Bush League nominee comes from the my team, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, the other night, Taj Gibson was playing defense, lost a shoe, picked up the shoe, and guarded Nemanja Bialic as he drove in with his shoe in his hand. And according to the rules, as reported by Dave Benz, if Taj Gibson would have made contact with the basketball with his shoe, not only would the shot automatically have counted, but it would have been a technical foul, and Taj Gibson would have given the ball right back to the Sacramento Kings. Come on, Taj. If you lose your shoe, just leave it on the floor. Don't pick it up and play with it. That's simple. That's. I mean, that is Bush League. That's Bush League. So Bush League. But ladies and gentlemen, only in my, only in my dreams. Shut up. <laughs> but ladies and gentlemen, don't um, don't don't fret, mind. don't fret, don't fright. The Bush League champion comes tonight. This may be the single biggest Bush League moment in the history of anything that is Bush League. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in a game of basketball. You two have to know what I'm talking about already. The James Harden step back into a step back. The guy did two step backs. He he traveled like it was to quote Philip Rossman right. I tweeted out that was not a travel, that was a journey. Philip Rossman from Orlando Magic Daily tweeted back, Peter Jackson saw that travel and wanted to make a three-part movie about it. So there you go. James Harden with the step back, step back. You can watch it. Everybody have a laugh. We all know what it is. It's Bush League. And our winner is James Harden. That is the most Bush League thing I've ever seen. And and you know what? Honorable mention Bush League to the officials who didn't call it because they did not call the traffic. Yeah, no, and I want to throw out an amateur Bush League because that free throw attempt that that girl made and then did the false pause and the other girl <laughs> fell face first into the lane. Funny. That was, was pretty, pretty fucking funny. funny. Yeah, I did that was those, really, yeah. Yeah, well, that <laughs> was worth that. watching. And also, on the James what? Harden. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. On the James, on the James Harden deal, you, that's something you've been – dying to do because you you were uh on that when it wasn't so blatant and that was like the most blatant example he's ever done oh my god he's gonna start moonwalking pretty soon Uh, and they're not calling it it's just ridiculous that these things are not getting called and this guy is traveling and he's getting away with it it's stupid but that's bush that's been our special it's right up there though with when guys dunk and it's and take seventeen steps before they dunk half the time, and nobody ever gets called for that. Very, very rarely do they ever call traveling on that. Yeah, very true. There's a, there's a lot. There's a lot of little things that get like carrying, uh, the, you know, carrying the ball. A lot of the players just do, and it's accepted and what have you. But you know, That's that true. was a little blatant. I admit. It Colin was. It was very your blatant. Team don't got one. Very, yeah, very I mean, uh, Harden should start a 12-step program. Anyway. <laughs> oh, my God. The Houston Rockets keep playing like they are, and he might be in one. 
Yeah. Actually, the Rockets. I called that. Turn. You you did. You really did. It's all I there. Remember, we, they were going down. Oh yeah, and they're at the ten seed right now. They are back over five hundred. They have won four in a row, but uh, not they got a long way to go yet. I won't write them off yet, but they got a long way to go yet. Listen, while we're talking about the West, write no one off in the West right now. I talk about this on Twitter from time to time. Right now, the number one team in the West. What? I'm sorry, guys. The number one team in the Western Conference right now. Take a wild stab in the dark. The Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets are the number one team in the Western Conference right now. Not trying to say told you so. I was going to go with Gunsmoke. Oh, shut up. So the Denver Nuggets, number one team in the West right now. Don't want to say who called that, but you know I said Denver was going to be pretty awesome, so I'll go with that. Um, but I was with you, but four- you were stronger on it. I agree. Yes, you were. The fourteenth place team in the West right now. The fourteenth place team in the West right now is the Utah Jazz. You know how many games back of first the Utah Jazz are in the West right now? Seven and a half. Three or something. <laughs> Seven and a half yeah. games back. So, right now, the Sacramento Kings are in eighth place in the West. They are five games back of first place. The Utah Jazz are in 14th place. They are two and a half games back of eighth place. They also get a, uh, they get a two-game bonus for having a sexy head coach. <laughs> According to Rachel, yes, they do. According to but Rachel. The, the teams, I hope the West stays like this all season. I really do. The Western Conference is really, really exciting right now. It's just heating up. You know, you got Utah, Minnesota, New Orleans, San Antonio, and Houston. That's 10, that is 14, 13, 12, 11, and 10. Then Dallas is sitting outside the top eight right now. And, by the way, TR, Luka Doncic, you nailed that. He has been on fire this season, so you nailed yeah. that one. But I'm curious as to what you guys think. Who's the pretenders in the West? Who's the contenders? All 14 teams? Are all 14 teams good enough to make the playoffs right now? What do you think, T.R., Tim? Uh, on my end, I, I'm, a, I'm a little in the dark because I haven't, I haven't watched uh, league-wide like I usually do as far as full games. I'm in this kind of a sports center just getting by, which I don't like to be. Uh, I have questions for you, specifically Utah. Have, have they used the, the Grayson Allen, or is he just kind of like a, a – uh, he's guy. pretty much. We had a guy on from Utah last week. He's pretty much warm in the bench so far. Yeah. Um. They name wise, it seems like they have the pedigree to to overtake the, some of the. Uh. Well, not 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 speaking of Denver, but I mean, you know, some Clippers and some of the other teams that are up there that, on paper, you wouldn't think would be. I think uh, time will tell, and, and, and the cream will rise to the top, so to speak, to experience squads. But uh, who knows? Maybe it's a change of guard as a whole. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty surprised that, uh, that the Lakers, it's free agency time. Sorry, yeah. I'm, I'm doing this show from a washing machine. No, I don't know what that is. Um, that's anyway, my, that's uh, my end. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, I was—it's uh, free agency time. I was—I was surprised. You know, I'm not that high on the Lakers. The, this version of the Lakers, but 
you know, supposedly they're they're in the market for other people. So the second half will be interesting. Not that the first half is over, but yeah, I mean the second half is really going to get interesting once we get to the All Star break. But one team that you mentioned earlier that you you know you kind of counted on for being being wrong was Toronto, and I had a chance to sit down and talk to Chris Walder from the Score in Toronto. We talked about the Raptors. We were able to uh, dive really deep into what Toronto is doing, and especially with the new head coach and the new player and Kawhi Leonard and the new system and how they're keeping it going. So right after this, we're going to hear my talk with Chris Walder. Then Tim, TR, and myself will come back, and we will wrap up the show as it is almost that time here on the show. But we're going to hear my talk with Chris Walder. And we'll be right back right after this. But first, we want you to, to visit our friends at WowFreeCam.com. I'm too sexy for my love. Too sexy for my love. Love's going to leave. WowFreeCam.com is the number one campsite on the Internet, and they are our gracious sponsors, and we want to invite you to check them out over at WowFreeCam.com. Anything you could imagine and whatever you want is just one click away if you go to wowfreecam.com. What's some of the things you could check out over on wowfreecam.com? Motorboat? Play the motorboat? You motorboat son of a bitch, you old sailor you. Or you could be into... Two chicks at the same time, man. Whatever it is that you're looking up for, wowfreecam.com will leave you with one reaction and one reaction only. You won't want to miss out all the fun going on at wowfreecam.com. So be sure to show them some love and go over. Hey, it's in the name. It's all free. Must be 18 or older to access the website. But make sure you get there as quick as you can to check out all the fun going on over at wowfreecam.com. Again, must be 18 or older to visit. Joining me right now is NBA News Editor at The Score and formerly Bleacher Report writer and from the Raptors HQ on Twitter, Chris Walder. Chris, thanks for jumping on with us. Hey, thanks for having me, buddy. No problem. It's good to have you back. And last time you were on, you gave us some great insight to the Toronto Raptors. And we're going to talk a little more Raptors. We talked about the Raptors preseason, and you were very high on the Raptors with the Kawhi Leonard trade. And, you know, maybe I was a little skeptic of Kawhi. I didn't know what he was going to do. But right now, number one in the East and the best record in the league. Can't argue with the results. Um, What has Kawhi done to bring this number one seed back to Toronto as of right now? I, you know, I think coming out of, out of last season with the San Antonio Spurs, uh, with the injury mishap and, and with the training staff over there not really giving him a proper diagnosis, I think you know him being away from the game so long, a lot of people forgot how great Kawhi Leonard is. So him coming over to Toronto and playing as well as he has, it's not necessarily a surprise to me. I think he's come along a lot quicker than I had expected coming off of that injury, but He's right where he's supposed to be. He's still one of the top five or six players in the entire association. He's been, you know, a godsend for this Raptors team. You know, there was a lot of skepticism after trading DeMar DeRozan. You know, this Raptors team was a great regular season team. You know, with LeBron James out of the Eastern Conference, they still could have won maybe 55, 56 games with DeRozan, but 
you make a bold move, you you go all in for a guy like Kawhi Leonard, and so far it's it's paying dividends. But you know, uh, as everyone in Toronto will attest to, it's not what happens now; it's what happens in the playoffs. But you know, for right now, with the way that Kawhi Leonard's playing, there's a a lot of optimism about how far this team could really go. Yeah, and it seems like. Just like with Paul George and the Thunder, it seems like the Raptors are already trying to, I guess the word would be court Kawhi Leonard and try to get him to stay in Toronto. You see pictures of him and Drake all the time together. Maybe Drake doing a little work to try to keep uh, Kawhi in Toronto after this season. I'm not sure how recent that photo was that Drake put on his Instagram recently, but uh, he's certainly a fan of Kawhi Leonard, and I'm sure when the meetings happen at the end of the year, uh, Drake will be right there front and center trying to keep him in Toronto. Yeah, and as I'm sure most uh, Toronto faithful will will come to love him because he's playing great so far this season for the Raptors, uh, nursing a little bit of an injury but still, if you look at him, he's an MVP candidate. He's averaging 26.3 a game, 8.4 rebounds, shooting the ball well, almost 50% shooting. And he's doing, you know, last few games against Milwaukee, They uh, on December 9th in the loss, he had 20 at Portland, which is, to me, a loss at Portland, maybe I'm one of the only people, but I realize winning in Portland is, is really damn hard to do. So sometimes a close loss in Portland you can consider a win. 28 there had 29 against the Nuggets, but all three losses the Raptors are a little on a little bit of a small losing skid now, even though they've only lost nine. What's got to change for Toronto to step up and, and get back to its winning ways? Because it seems like okay, they kind of took teams by surprise at first, but now teams are starting to figure it out. Milwaukee's beat them; they're only a game and a half back. Indiana's creeping closer. Philly's three games back. Boston's getting in rhythm. What has Toronto got to do to? ultimately prove they're still the best team in the East? Well, I I think they are still the best team in the East. I think their issue right now is injuries. Um, They're certainly undermanned. Losing Jonas Valanciunas in the second quarter after getting his hand smacked by Draymond Green against the Warriors, uh, he's going to be out for at least a month. You know, Kyle Lowry's missed the last couple of games, the Portland and Denver outing. Fred Van Vliet's missed some time. Pascal Siakam took took that hard fall against Portland. I just think they need some fresh bodies right now, but even when they're healthy, you know, I think a couple of their reserve guys need to start hitting some shots. I mean, CJ Miles has had a really off year. He's someone that the team was supposed was relying on to shoot three-pointers and he's been more missed than hit for the better part of the season. Same with OG Ananobi. Uh, you know what you're going to get from him defensively, but offensively he's been uh, really off his his sophomore year as well. So I think the number one priority is just getting everybody back on the court, and it looks like you know Fred Van Vliet and, and Pascal Siakam at the very least will be back for tomorrow's game against Indiana. So when we have a healthy roster, there's very few teams in the NBA that could really give us uh, much of a problem. Uh, I think the Warriors game opened a lot of people's eyes because, you know, Kawhi Leonard wasn't even out there, and they still uh, took out the reigning two-time champions. Uh, Kyle Lowry, I think a lot of people underestimate just how important he is to this team. And while there's certainly a lot of depth at point guard with with Van Vliet and DeLon Wright, uh, Lowry uh, getting him back on the court is going to be extremely important. 
Yeah, and watching Siakam this year, he's one of my favorite players in the league. I love the way that guy plays, and he's just all over the place. His defensive effort's great. And his, uh, he's actually doubled his career output of points per game uh, this year. He's up to 14 and a half a game. So you got to love it when I, you see a guy constantly improving. His, his field goal percentage is up. His career stats are 53%. He's up to 60% shooting this year. He's 10% up on his three-point percentage. So he's really improving. And Siakam's going to be key uh, for this Raptors team. What is Siakam, though, if if you can find a place where he needs to improve a little bit as the season progresses, what does he need to do for this Raptors squad to keep them where they're at? Well, well, defensively, I think he's already there. Uh, you know, he's someone who, who could throw at you know anyone from one through five. He can guard any position on the floor. He's he's extremely he's he's big. He's he's agile, and I love him defensively. Offensively, he can almost kind of get a little bit carried away. There's there, there's far too many times where you're, you know, obviously you love when your big man can bring it up and down the floor and transition and get to the basket, but sometimes he can become a little bit overzealous and make bad decisions. You know, whether he's trying to pass it out or he'll spin his way into trouble. You know, one of his uh, patented moves this season is the spin, and we all love it, but, you know, it, it, it's not always, it, you know, it's not 100% consistent. I think he just needs to kind of calm, calm, calm down a bit, you know, settle down when it comes to bringing up the ball. Um, but for right now, I think, you know, he's, he's come a long way. He's one of the top candidates for most improved player, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and I think, you know, his continued development i you know there's there's probably going to be some times during the season where he he he, he hits a slump you know uh i would love to see him shoot the three ball more he's you know he's very patient in that regard his percentages are you know not fantastic but he's not taking a lot of three pointers to begin with i'd love for him to stretch the floor even more um but for right now he's right exactly where i you know everyone in toronto wants him to be and it's all you know upward and onward yeah, and Jonas Valanciunas, as, as you talked about, going down with the injury uh, against Golden State, he's a guy who I absolutely uh, – he's another guy that I really just love the way he plays. Uh, and we talked about him when we were talking about the Raptors in the offseason. He has um, – numbers are a little down this year in the rebound department, but he's really up uh, a little bit in his points department. He's playing pretty well, shooting free throws well. He just does what he does, and he's consistent. He's he's a great player to be as big as he is, seven foot tall. Um, is is Jonas a guy that they're going to have to lean on more, or is he just going to be kind of a more consistent role player, uh, especially with Kawhi? Because he's definitely the, the center that they need because Greg Monroe's just not going to get the job done with the way he plays. Ibaka is more of the four um, – you know, it, he's really the main option when it comes to the five position. Well, they've already lessened his role to begin with. I, I mean, Jonas was moved to the to re, to a reserve. I mean, Nick Nurse was kind of going back and forth with him and Serge Ibaka at the five spot, you know, uh, fluctuating throughout the better part of the start of the season. But I think Valanciunas really settled into being a backup. And I think that's even better for him. You know, his numbers have improved. Um, you know, he's shooting the ball better. I think his confidence is up as well because he's only going up against, you know, second-unit guys. And I think the Raptors are better off having Serge Ibaka at the five. You don't necessarily need that size in today's game. Ibaka can stretch the floor more, even though Jonas really loves to spot up for three because defenses lay off, and he can knock him down every, every now and then. But 
it was a shame to see him go down with that injury. I think he was really coming into his own. And, you know, Greg Monroe, while he can give you 10 to 12 minutes a game and, you know, not screw the pooch, so to speak, I think Jonas obviously is the better option in that regard. So uh, hopefully he can come back from this injury, you know, a finger injury. It's, it doesn't seem like a lot, but it can keep you on the shelf for a while. And, uh, but I think the Raptors have the depth in the front court to kind of compensate for his absence. You know, you're not, you don't need a lot from Greg Monroe. You you rely heavily on Ibaka and Siakam, anyways. Greg Monroe reminds me of Greg the Hammer Valentine. He's not going to win you a world title, but he'll definitely get in there and scrap it up and keep you keep it interesting for a little while. So and he has the best nickname. It's Moose. I mean, he plays in Toronto. How perfect is that? <laughs> that is pretty perfect. You can't beat that. Uh, <laughs> another guy, though, that was brought up earlier was OG Ananobi. He's really struggling this season compared to what what was thought would happen, and you brought it up earlier and mentioned it. I saw on Twitter a couple of people saying maybe the most disappointing player, maybe not in the whole league this year, but definitely the most disappointing player for the Raptors so far this season. What's he got to do? What What's he got to do to to get back to where he was last season and improve and go even farther for this Raptor squad because they put a lot of faith in this young kid. I mean, I think it's just one of those slumps that players of his age just kind of go through. Uh, I was watching that Portland game and the Denver game. He missed a lot of open looks, and it's just a matter of getting those shots to fall. Uh, He went through some personal struggles earlier in the season. Uh, I don't know how much uh, coverage this got outside of Toronto, but it it turns out his father uh, passed away in September. So I don't know how much – I mean, I can't speak for him. I can't speak for anyone in his family. Uh, you know, with someone whose own father is going through his own ailments, but that must, that could obviously be taking a toll on him emotionally, mentally. But OG is not someone I'm necessarily worried about. I mean, I think a lot of people were excited when Kawhi Leonard came here because that's someone that a player like OG can emulate in a sense. I'm not saying OG is going to become this elite level superstar like Kawhi, but watching a player that's very similar to him in size and the way that he plays, you know, that that would even give him more incentive to kind of improve his game, you know, get up to that level because OG was someone that the Raptors could have easily slotted in as their starting small forward prior to Kawhi Leonard coming to Toronto. So again, with with OG Ananobi and even in a lesser regard, CJ Miles, I just think he needs his shot to start falling and I think his confidence will grow from there. But right now, yeah, it's, it's definitely been pretty ugly for him. Yeah, and actually, um, I had not heard that news about his father. So that is to me, that's uh, new information to me. And coming from mm-hmm. someone who has lost their father um, in the past couple of years, it does take its toll on you. And it's something you know, not to bring the show down here to get away from basketball. Um, it's one of those things where it affects you for months afterward. And a lot of yes. people are saying, you know, hey, you need to pick up and move on. You know, you got to get back to doing you. And, and you do to an extent, but it's never – it's a hole that's never healed, if I can say that. Um, mm-hmm. So I, that that could explain a few things. Time, only time will tell with OG. Uh, and I do I, – I like I like OG as a player. I think he'll do great, but it's just a matter of, of overcoming some some personal issues. But back to Serge Ibaka. We talked about him. He's being used more so at the five now. Um, I'm going to admit I haven't got to watch the Raptors a lot this season. It's been a very busy uh, NBA season for me. But Ibaka, we, we talked about him in the uh, the off season, and we 
we kind of said this was a make it or break it kind of year. And I think even you may have said you thought this would be the writing was on the wall for Serge Ibaka. Are you changing your mind now that this, uh, since this season has started going through and we're here in December? Yeah, he's won me over uh, in a huge way. Uh, coming out of that Cleveland series in last year's playoffs where he was basically unplayable, uh, to see him in the role that he is now, I, I think he's you know, he's in the position that he needs to be as the starting five, um, being thrust into that role by Nick Nurse and just kind of, you know, letting him do his thing. You know, he he's pretty much money from mid range, which is which is good to see. His you know, he he, it, he was such a polarizing figure amongst Raptors fans because he was someone that they were ready to just send out of town. And, you know, we'll just put Jonas as a five or just give Siakam more minutes. But him and Siakam as the front court has been a breath of fresh air. And as long as Serge is playing and maintaining this level, like, it's the sky's the limit for this team. And I'm excited that Abaka has, you know, I, again, I remembered I was watching footage recently of that series against Cleveland, and it was pretty embarrassing. So, see him at the point that he is now it's great for Ibaka and it's great for Raptors fans and it's great for the team yeah and uh Serge is a guy who everyone knew he had the talent had the ability it's just a matter of getting him in the right situation the right time um excuse me um Another guy I did want to bring up as we just kind of go, I'm going through here looking at the team for the Raptors and a guy I haven't really kept up with this season so I'm really in the dark all I know is the the box scores. Danny Green, how's he looked in Toronto? Uh, has he stepped up? Has he been the kind of player they were hoping to get in the trade with Kawhi? Was that a, uh, has he stepped in and, and really done his part? It's kind of amazing that when that trade went through, Danny Green was basically salary filler to make the numbers work, but he's the ideal shooting guard that this team needs. He's the fifth option on offense, so you're not exactly taking shots away from a Lowry, a Siakam, a Kawhi, a Nabaka. You know, he's a great 3 and D guy. He's a great defender. He can light it up from three-point range. And the veteran leadership he brings, you know, as a champion, as a veteran with playoff experience who's gone deep into the, the, the postseason on many occasions, that's exactly what any young roster in, this, in the NBA needs. And Green even said recently that, you know, regardless of what Kawhi does this summer, whether he ends up going to the Los Angeles Clippers or elsewhere or stays in Toronto, this is a situation that he can see himself playing for the next three to four years. And that's, that's great to hear because he's the, it's, it's an ideal fit for him here in Toronto. You, you don't necessarily need him to put up big box score numbers, but the little things that he does, especially defensively, uh, it, it's awesome for this Raptors squad. Yeah, he's doing, all, he's doing great stuff for the Raptors, um, according to his numbers. So I wanted to, to see how he fit in from a guy who follows the team a little closer because I honestly, again, not getting to watch as many Raptor games as I would like to. Another guy. He also has his own podcast, too, The Green Room. Really? I, I actually did not know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, go, I'll, go I'll check definitely it out. have to take a listen. I'll have to take a listen free, to that. Free publicity for Danny Green. <laughs> yeah, Danny Green, free publicity. Come on the show. But, uh, <laughs> uh, Raptors, Raptors, new head coach, Nick nurse, everyone. I was critical of them for getting rid of, getting rid of Dwayne Casey. Nick nurse has stepped in and done a fantastic job though. You can't argue that, uh, this team, you know, completely changed and he's already got him at the one spot. 
He did get fined. Uh, this is breaking from the Sporting News. He was fined for criticizing the officials, which um, the, every official that was involved in the, the uh, Rockets game against the Jazz last night should be fired for that travel they missed, but we won't get into that. Um, oh, God, yeah. Nick, oh, my God. Let's just take a, let's take a second and let's just discuss that, you and I, because this is a basketball program. Was that not maybe the worst travel of all time? <laughs> uh, one of the worst tra- travels that got undetected. I still remember that travel that Russell Westbrook had against the Warriors where he literally brought up the ball to like midcourt and didn't bounce it once. That's way more egregious. But this one, the referees yeah. just missed. Like, his step back had a step back to it. I don't know yeah. how you could watch that and think, that's perfectly legal. Yeah, I was watching it, and I saw it, and somebody on Twitter put it. That's not a travel, that's a journey. And I thought yes. that was the best line. That's a voyage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a good friend of our program, Philip Rossman Wright from Orlando Magic Daily, said that right there, uh, Peter Jackson wants to license it and make it a movie into a three-part series. So I got a kick out of that. <laughs> that the trip to Mordor was shorter than the travel he took there. But yeah, yeah it, it's kind of amazing that a referees can miss it. Something yeah, like and, and, that, and then it blows up as a meme on social media, right? It has. Oh to. God, it it's gone just as viral as viral can get, and it, it's just people are looking at it, going, "Good Lord, how do you not call that?" But anyway, sorry for that, folks. I, I wanted to to bring up that travel, and I'm sure me and my co-host will be talking about it. But Nick Nurse, back to Nick Nurse. How do you think he's done so far as a Raptors head coach? Well, I mean, I was with you with the Dwayne Casey situation, although I did feel that a change needed to be made. Uh, you know, you, you get your butts handed to you by Cleveland so many times that you can't really, you know, keeping the head coach just seems like a bad move publicly. So, But at least with Nick Nurse, he was someone that was already in the system, and the players have a level of comfort with him anyway. I think he's been doing a great job. I think he's been, you know, obviously keeping Kawhi Leonard happy is a priority. He's been giving him rest. When, apl- when applicable, um, I had no problem with him kind of going off on the officials after the Denver game. Obviously, you know, tensions are high to begin with because you're going into Denver with a, you know, a depleted roster. And you, while you were still in the game, you know, if Kawhi had gotten to the free throw line as many times as he probably should with the contact that he was receiving, maybe the end result is a lot different. But, you know, I have this quote here um, from Kawhi Leonard via TSN's Josh Lewinberg on Kawhi Leonard and Nick Nurse having his back after that game, quote-unquote. It's great. He can see the game. We're playing it. We feel a certain way. We always think we're right on the floor. But when you got your coach seeing the same thing you're feeling, it's great. And I think, you know, when again, when, we, when those negotiations happen at the end of the season, I think the relationship that Kawhi Leonard has with Nick Nurse is going to play a big factor in whether or not he stays. And so far, so good. I, th- I think, you know, he's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I think he still has some issues with his rotations every now and then and his end-of-game play calling. Uh, you know, I, there's been a couple of occasions this season. I can't remember exactly which team it was, but, uh, yeah, it didn't necessarily play out uh, as well as he would have wanted. But I think considering, you know, when a new coach comes in, obviously there's going to be, you know, widespread changes across the board in terms of how the offense and defense is run. But the Raptors are still playing Raptors basketball at the end of the day, and they're winning games. So whether you have Kawhi Leonard as your superstar talent or not, you know, wins are on the board, and I think Nick Nurse deserves a lot of credit for it. Yeah, and 
I think Kawhi is probably just enjoying the fact that he's away from Greg Popovich because it seemed like that was kind of a toxic marriage there in San Antonio. And Nick Nurse is a completely different guy, a completely different coach than Greg Popovich. He doesn't try to will with an iron fist. And a lot of people give Pop credit for that. But in this modern NBA, I think it's really hard to to do that. And you're seeing it now. You're seeing a little bit of backlash in, in places like Minnesota sometimes. And, and you're seeing it, you know, a lot of the Spurs – player the younger players are coming in and they're you know they respect pop and the spurs are finally starting to get it together now but it's honestly hard to rule a team like that anymore because you see it in chicago you know teams say you're not greg popovich you're not going to make us you know do sprints for two and a half hours and practice like that yeah i think it's a superstars league right and i mean greg popovich It's kind of like my way or the highway, and he has the credentials to back up everything that he does. With Nick Nurse obviously being the new guy, I think he's infinitely more willing to listen to someone like Kawhi, you know, whether he whether he feels he's up to play or not, and the role and the position that he needs, he thinks he needs to be in to thrive. Obviously, San Antonio with Popovich, you know, you either obey by his system, obey by his law, or there's going to be problems, and there clearly was during Kawhi's last few years there. Yeah, definitely, and um, it's it just seems like Nurse is doing a great job now handling Kawhi and handling this team. Once he gets his rotations figured out, I think he'll be fine. But, uh, Chris, I appreciate you getting on here with me, but before I let you go, we've talked a lot of Raptors, a lot of basketball. I also notice you, you do tweet a lot of uh, pro wrestling. and I do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm quite the pro wrestling fan myself, as are many of our listeners of our show uh, – Co-host Tom Robinson, he's a big pro wrestling guy. He was involved in, you know, former former wrestler, former manager. He worked a little bit all over the place. Was in with Dennis Coraluzo for a long time, if you know that name. But, um, so, I saw you tweet last night. You know, in case anyone missed Monday Night Raw, Vince McMahon came back looking looking a little bit older than he's, than he's looked in years. Um, but you tweeted, you want to make the show better. Bring up the Undisputed Era. I saw that tweet. Why don't you go ahead and justify why the Undisputed Era should be on, on TV right now, real quick. I think you need just a drastic change. And I think I'm a huge NXT guy. I love the brand, and I understand that while it's still considered a developmental brand, that it needs like top-level superstars to kind of you know put, put on the road, put on those takeover shows. But I think the yeah. Undisputed Era, you know, as an act. And in WWE today, factions are almost a thing of the past. And I, I loved factions. I grew up watching the NWOs, the Degeneration Xs, the Ministries of Darkness, the corporations. Like, I yeah. love big groups, big heel groups especially, because it gives you something to root against. And the Undisputed Era, while they're extremely talented, and, you know, in, in today's day and age when you're, a heel and you're that good on the microphone and in the ring, it's almost hard to stay a heel because everyone cheers you. But the Undisputed Era would just be a fresh breath of air on a show that has been so, I mean, I hate to say it's been unwatchable. And I think it's been proven in the ratings that not a lot of people are really invested in the product right now. And look, I could have tossed anybody else's name in that tweet, like a guy like Velveteen Dream or some of the other guys like Aleister Black or Johnny Gargano. You know, guys like that, or, or you know, even girls like what they're bringing up, like Nikki Cross now and Lacey Evans, which I'm happy to hear about, and EC3, yeah. like some of those names that are coming up. But again, I, 
I was watching Raw last night, and I saw that opening segment, you know, with all the McMahons in the ring and Triple H, and they were saying, you know, we're, we're going to listen to you guys now, and you're the authority, and we understand that the product has been really awful, and we're willing to put our best foot forward and make the appropriate changes. And then by the end of the show, I'm like, my God, this is the same crap that I've been watching or trying to watch for the last three to four weeks. We had the, what was it, the the one-hour gauntlet match with the women I, I can't wait to see the third hour ratings for that. But I mean, I actually, I actually, you, you may be surprised by this. I actually enjoyed the gauntlet match. Um, really? As weird as that may sound, I enjoyed it. Like normally, to me, to me, wrestling and Raw especially is unwatchable because of the segments they have that are so sporadic. And so, all like the Elias Bobby Lashley segment killed me. I I can't stand. Mm-hmm. I can't stand Bobby Lashley and anything. You don't like when he bends in. over and slaps his butt for you. <laughs> Bobby Lashley makes me want to change the channel. That's just my personal opinion. <laughs> here's some. Here's. I mean, and of course, it's not going to be fixed overnight. And I'm not going to say to me, Raw last night was better than it had been. Yeah. But it's still not where it needs to be. I I love the fact Tyler Breeze got a serious match on Raw. Um, I almost fainted. <laughs> I said, "Wait a minute!" Yeah, when we saw him come out, chance. Eh? That was surprising. Um, I love the fact that the Revival are now going to get to fight for the tag titles because I'm a huge Revival fan. Um, and I'll agree, the Undisputed Air is probably my favorite act in NXT, uh, them and Velveteen Dream and Ricochet. I love that that War Games match was one of the best matches I've seen all year. I loved it. Um, mm-hmm. Kyle O'Reilly is, to me, the most underrated performer in pro wrestling. And I know this is a basketball show, and here we are going on about pro wrestling. But still, uh, <laughs> O'Reilly, uh, I could do a I could do a wrestling podcast too. So let's not get that started. But <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm hoping things change, and I really do hope that they they listen to their audience a little more. But at the same time, I think the audience sometimes doesn't know what they want. I think the audience I think the audience sometimes is conditioned to hate just to hate. Um. Yeah. Case in point, Dolph Ziggler versus Seth Rollins main event, the Iron Man match, main events, mm-hmm. uh, whatever pay per view that was, and it was a great match. But the crowd was too busy counting down like it was the Royal Rumble, and to me, just took a big dump on the match. They bitched and moaned that that needed to be the main event, so they listened to them, made it the main event, and then they took a big dump on it. So sometimes the audience is its own worst enemy, but hopefully we see some changes here. Well, for that that Rollins Ziggler example that you gave, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that these shows are extremely long, and by the time you that get to the end of the program, the end of a main of of a, of a pay per view event, you're seeing these matches that you know are at least going thirty to forty minutes, like the Gauntlet match on Monday yeah. Night Raw. The wrestling wasn't terrible, but you know there was still another series of matches to go until you get to the very end, and then at that point you're all you're all worn out, and that crowd knew that there was going to be a taping afterwards as well. Like, they taped the Christmas Eve episode immediately yeah. after the one that we saw live. So, yeah. I get it. I mean, I think Raw needs to cut, be cut back to two hours, which we can go on another rant yeah, about another day. But, um, <laughs> I yeah, Raw definitely... I think there are some reasons to be excited about the future. I think the next couple of weeks are going to be throwaways anyway because of the placement on the calendar. I mean, it's Christmas Eve. Yeah. It's New Year's Eve. They're not going to really do a lot. You know, they'll, they'll wait until January heading into the Royal Rumble, but... I, I need to see consistency. I need to see weeks upon weeks of just solid programming. I'm not expecting them to put eight out of ten, nine out of ten shows all the time, 
but at least give me a reason to tune in. And that hasn't been the case yeah. for a long, long time. Yeah, I agree. And uh, if you've never been to a Royal Rumble, Chris, I highly suggest that I got to go to a couple um, myself. So I recommend going if you ever get a chance. I've been I've I only been to one live wrestling event for WWE, and that was the NXT TakeOver event in Toronto, the one with uh, the yeah. Revival and DIY. They had that two out of three falls match. Oh, the only one I've man, been to, good... but one of these days, man, bring <laughs> WrestleMania back to Toronto, Vince. Jesus. Yeah, I, I don't know why they haven't. I've often wondered why, because it would draw huge up there. And uh, I, I did go to WrestleMania 28, and I've been to uh, went to the Royal Rumble where The Rock faced CM Punk. I went to the Royal Rumble the next year when Seth Rollins, or not Seth Rollins, but uh, Batista won, and the entire crowd just took a big dump on the uh, the pay per view. So I'm, <laughs> yeah, that was well, good for you. I, I you're much more a bigger fan than I am. Well, I don't know if it's good for me, but you know, it it just I, I live in the state. I, I live in the state, so I have a little bit more opportunities than than the Canadians do, unfortunately, because my favorite Canadian, my favorite wrestler of all time is Bret Hart. So you know, it's one of those. Um, I love the Canadian wrestling world, so I enjoy You're it. Not but really I'm glad we Canadian got... just for saying that. Yes. <laughs> Does it come with the health care? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But uh, I appreciate you, Chris, jumping on, talking with me a little bit. And uh, let our listeners know where they can find you for more basketball and pro wrestling content. And uh, if anybody didn't like the pro wrestling content on the show, oh, well, too bad. It's it's my show, and I'll do what I want. So <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Uh, well, for all your NBA and uh, WWE takes, uh, follow me on Twitter, at Walder Sports. And, of course, download the Score app where you can find uh, all of the news stories that I write on basketball and all of the great editorials that the NBA Score team has to offer. Sounds great. Chris, thanks for jumping on, and uh, we're going to have to get you back on next time we do another pro wrestling episode. We'll get you and my buddy Joe P. Sapia, who's a uh, fantasy sports guru who also does an, a podcast called In This Ring that I highly recommend to anybody out there. We just need to get a pro wrestling day going on here, and we'll have a blast. Yeah, absolutely, buddy. Sign me up, and thanks for having me. No problem, Chris. Thanks again. We'll hope to have you back real soon. And that was my talk with Chris Walder from The Score, talking Toronto Raptors from up in Tim's neck of the woods. Uh, and we also talked a little bit of pro wrestling there at the end. We talked uh, a little surprise for everybody, as Chris is a big pro wrestling fan as well. So I look forward to having him back on here soon. So thanks again, Chris. Well, guys. Oh, uh, real quick before you continue. Go ahead. Um, Go ahead. Nate, my condolences on Baron Corbin being a uh, – you know, losing his uh, permanent general manager <laughs> position on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, it's, a sh- it's a shame he didn't lose his permanent job. But anyway, uh, <laughs> you know how I feel about Ben. You know, I haven't tweeted him in a while. I really need to. Uh, I really need to tweet. Right him now soon. would be perfect. Right now would be a perfect time. Yeah. You know what, man? Not to know that big check is coming in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he kills me. I, I hope he hasn't blocked me. Okay, he hasn't. Good. I'm just going to tweet him, missed me, honey. <laughs> you know, All right, done. Private message of a nude Baron Carbon coming back your way. <laughs> well, the Hot Topic people will love that. But anyway, 
I want to do something here before we before we wrap it up for the evening. And sorry for the show's going a little bit long, but this is something that we always do in the one year we've been in existence. So it's kind of a tradition. Uh, <laughs> with Christmas being next week, by the way, we're still going next week. We will be on for you next week. We are taking no holiday this year as Christmas falls on a Tuesday. So Christmas is next Tuesday. So we want to try and pick your winners for the Christmas holiday games like we did last year. And we did not do well last year. Not one of our prouder days, but I think this year we've got a better opportunity. So, gentlemen. Because there's there's three of us. Yeah, there's three of us. There was three of us picked last year, believe it or not. But this year we got five games. Five games. Jeff Simmons from Last Cast. We got five games on Christmas Day. They start at noon. It's an NBA fan's dream. Lots of good matchups. Ten good teams. Well, for the most part. Uh, ten predictably good teams minus, I guess, one team that's not over 500. So let's go ahead and see what we can do here. No spreads, no over-unders, nothing like that. Uh, just try to pick a winner here. And I think we're, we're all going to go here. First game starts at noon. Milwaukee Bucks travel to the Big Apple, Madison Square Garden, to take on the Knicks. Tim, Tom, who wants to start? The Milwaukee Bucks take the Antlers and shaft the Knicks at the Garden. (laughs) You are? Well, the Garden has that uh, aura where Jordan and Kobe and LeBron of all scored 50 there and it's still the garden as Garou Monsoon would say the Mecca um, yep. but Giannis isn't selfish Giannis could probably act, although uh, earlier in the season I haven't paid attention too closely but don't let me get too far off topic but we we liked Mitchell Robinson and although he hasn't dominated the league he is a hell of a shot blocker but anyway um Giannis, uh, if if he was selfish and wanted to put himself over, he could probably go for 50. But irregardless, as much as I like Fisdale and and what they got in a couple years, maybe up there in the Big Apple, I'm with the Bucks Bucks as well. Yeah, I too am going to go with the Bucks, and I don't think uh, Giannis is going to be scoring 50 anytime soon, mainly because of his shot, um, his jump shot. He's still got to develop that a little more. Uh, by the way, Mitchell Robinson's averaging 1.8 blocks a game, almost two blocks a game. So not yeah, bad. Had, I know he had he had nine in one game. That's, that's what. Yeah, he, he's tearing he's been tearing the blocks up. Still low on the rebounding and the scoring, but not bad, not bad at all. So Mitchell Robinson, we we have faith that he's going to turn into something monstrous with the right the right ability. All right, True so that. next Christmas game. This one's a little tougher to pick. The Oklahoma City Thunder travel to Houston to take on the Rockets. James Harden against his old team. Tim, Thunder Rockets, who are you taking? I'm taking the Thunder, baby. Somebody goes out there, Russell Westbrook probably, puts a nail through one of James Harden's shoes, nails him in a corner, and there he stays for the rest of the game. Screw the Rockets. I can't stand the Houston Rockets. I really even don't even know why. I just don't like them. Give me the Thunder. All right. TR? A nail through the shoe. It's on Christ's <laughs> birthday, not the crucifixion. But anyway. I'll give you I one more quick one, there. Tom. You make, the, you make the joke. 
OKC, now you know me, or something along those lines. There's got to be a rap song in there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I, I am with other – never mind. Um, I, I'll go with the Thunder as well. Uh, yeah, fuck the Rockets. They're, they're yesterday's news. Okay. I'm going to agree with you on – I forgot to pick in the first game. I also take the Bucks, And I'm going to take the Thunder as well on the road – um, too many weapons, and Dennis Schroeder's proved to be a fantastic backup point guard and plays pretty well, like we predicted. But, you know, what do we know, right? <laughs> Next game. Next game. Interesting matchup here. The Philadelphia 76ers travel to Boston to take on the Celtics. Uh, this one, probably the most intriguing matchup of the entire day. Tim, who do you like? Oh, I hate to shit on the city of Philadelphia, but I enjoy doing it so much. Uh, I'm taking the Celtics. Ben Simmons' arms will still be tied up with Kardashian Garland if he even makes the game. Joel Embiid's going to be confused. It's Christmas. He doesn't even know what that is because he's the greatest guy who ever lived and doesn't give to anybody. Uh, what else <laughs> have I got on my plate? Um no, uh, Danny Ainge, Christmas gift to the, the Boston faithful. The Celtics in Boston. Go pack the car, as they say. Pack the car outside the garden. It'll be Boston. Tim doing a Boston impersonation may be my new favorite thing ever. <laughs> New England, Canada, same same difference. Uh, yeah, made it tomorrow. This is the first uh, meeting with uh, the Sixers having a bona fide winner as far as um, when I say winner, I use the term loosely. I mean a guy who you can give the ball in the last possession, uh, whether you like it or not. Jimmy Jimmy Butler. Yeah, Jimmy Butler. Um, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Anyhow, uh, that said, uh, Boston has a Sixers number mentally, physically. Uh, even when they had struggled earlier in the season, if if they would have played them during that, somehow they would have killed the Sixers. Uh, they just have their number. Bad bad matchups for Sixers there. Uh, Boston all the way. All right, Philly on the road. Um awful record. They've only lost three home games this season. Um, they've won 14 at home, so they've won six on the road, and they've lost nine on the road. I'm going to take Boston at home just because they're at home. If this were in Philly, it would be a different story for me. So I'm taking Boston since they're at home. Two more games. Next game, 8 o'clock game, is the that, Los Angeles that, Lakers. Go ahead. Is that more than a feeling for you, the Boston game? Nah, I just think Boston at home, they're going to be smoking. It's hard to stop them. Tim got it. Oh, I got Don't it. look back, Tom. Don't look back. Look, you guys want to go to that game, we can hitch a ride and go, but I, you know. <laughs> just don't bring Amanda. I got the record. Oh, yeah, uh, I, hate I won't, Amanda. but if I bring Amanda, she might do foreplay for a long time, so. Oh, let's keep going. 
You're welcome. Right. They might, uh, they, uh, the Celtics might take them by surprise and make them realize that they're a better team. <laughs> I think we've literally used every Boston reference that we can possibly use right now. If, if there, Lord help me, if there's a Boston song that has the words trust the process in it somewhere. We have that, to that find it. The, that would be the biggest gag ever. <laughs> All right, continue, Nate. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, No, that was well done. Where the hell were we? (laughs) I'll tell you where we were. Trust the process. I'm getting better at that. I'm starting to copy Tom. Trust the process. Eight o'clock game. The Los Angeles Lakers take on the Golden State Warriors in Oracle. Tim. Well, you know how I feel about this game. You take that LeBron James and fucking LeVar Ball, loving Lonzo Ball, son. Get that garbage away from me. I hate the Los Angeles. I hated the Lakers back 25 years ago. Shit longer than that. 40 years ago, I hated the Lakers. I hate them now. I can't cheer for them. Uh, they got a fairly decent team, though, I guess, this year. A little better than what everybody kind of thought they were going to do. But they're kind of hit and miss, uh, I'm going to guess, unless the Warriors are all hung over. Uh, I'll take Golden State. Uh, Yeah, I mean, as dysfunctional as Golden State has seemed to be from time to time, when the bright lights are on, especially with good old LBJ, I'm not talking about Lyndon B. Johnson. um, Anyhow, uh, I think that yeah, uh, I think that uh, they will, because the national spotlight's on them, they will come together and beat the Golden State Warriors again and uh, dispose of the Lakers, although there may be a valiant effort from those crazy guys in L.A. Well, one thing that I would like to to bring up, looking at the Lakers against the Warriors is LeBron James's record on Christmas Day. And LeBron <laughs> LeBron hasn't been home on Christmas very often. I don't know if you guys have noticed that. He hasn't been. LeBron's been on the road quite a bit for Christmas. So LeBron doesn't and LeBron has been known to lose Christmas games. Not like he is in the playoffs. This is a guy who Let's just say he doesn't make it the big the big game, if that makes any sense. You know, does that add up? Yeah. Well, sure LeBron does, is. Flair. <laughs> but LeBron James doesn't win much on Christmas, so I'm gonna go with the Warriors, and especially at home in Oracle, that's just the, like the hardest place to win outside of Denver and maybe Portland. Those are the two, that, that's the toughest place to play. And the Warriors will come together and win on Christmas. All right, last game, and we'll call it a night. The Portland Trailblazers and the Utah Jazz in Utah to finish it off. Tim. Baby Jesus is angry at the Utah Jazz. How dare they have a basketball game on Christmas Day 
in Salt Lake City, Utah. How does that even happen? Uh, it beats me, man. I'm a little bit amazed just, by that, to be quite dead, deadly serious. I'm kind of surprised by that. It is um, It is kind of surprising. A little bit. Um, I'm surprised that those two things coexist. But uh, the Trailblazers will follow the uh, the trail set behind by the people who live in Utah and uh, follow it right to the arena and smash the Jazz, who just aren't very good. Ta-da. Merry Christmas, baby Jesus. L. TR. Wow. Uh, I think I, I'm not sure if any of us argued any. Uh, do we have any different picks so far? Because so far, no. Well, I'm not going to buck the trend because I, uh, Damian, I'm from Weber State. You should have picked me, you dumb motherfuckers, <laughs> or wherever the fuck you went. And uh, CJ, I'm from Lehigh, McCollum, uh, are going to uh, show their worth to a national audience and go into the already mentioned, uh, you know, uh, spiritual one would think with the Mormons and so forth out there in Utah playing on the birth of Jesus at night. For God's sakes, <laughs> their mind's going to be somewhere else. Portland well, either fuck. that or Jesus is a basketball fan, and they yeah, win maybe. like in a runaway. <laughs> Jesus Shuttleworth, but I think they got the wrong dude. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Anyway. <laughs> God, totally missed you. I can't. Anyhow. I can't pick. I can't pick Utah to win this game. Portland has been impressing me. Jokic is a legit player. Lillard and McCollum are good players. Got to go Portland. So we all take the same picks. I mean, so but let's we'll not see forget how the Utah Jazz yeah. coach. Pretty hot. Wins good tonight. for probably 10 points, but no more than that. <laughs> Definitely. You know what? You know what? If if we we all pick the same, and if we swept the board on Christmas, I think well, that'd be it, it would be a, we'd be appropriately known as the three wise men. I believe so. I think you would be correct in that. So, well, and that really fits with that. That doubly for triply fits with what Tom does for a living. Exactly. You know? <laughs> but I'm not just bringing. I'm not just bringing Murr, Put it that way. Frankincense, man. Coors Light. What do we bring him? Coors Light. More Coors Light. And some Chick Fil A. Yeah, what, what, what would I bring to Baby Jesus? That's a good question. Coors, Coors Light. Light. A cheesesteak. And a little vial of Klonopin in case Jesus has anxiety and depression. CR shows up at the manger and says, if you're having girl problems, I feel bad for you, son. I can bring poutine, maple syrup, snow. You bring a pepperoni roll from down here in West Virginia. Ketchup chips. Yeah, but uh, yeah. real quick before we get out of here, I just want to bring up Javon Carter made his debut the other day, my sentimental guy from the University of West Virginia, the Mountaineers, who are just shit in the bed this season. And by the way, oh, it's ugly. But Javon did make his NBA debut the other night, finally got in and played a little bit for the Grizzlies as he had 11 points and a rebound 
in the loss to the Rockets. So good job, Javon, uh, for getting in there and scrapping it up a little bit. Way to go. Quick and tune also, in, uh, don't, no, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, say, make sure. Oh, fuck. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Big shout to Tobias Harris, who's having the quietest uh, season that nobody's talking about with how good he's playing this year. He's averaging over 20 points a game and over eight rebounds a game, and he is just tearing it up for the Clippers and probably would be a legitimate MVP candidate if he played for a team not named the Clippers. All right, Tim, go ahead. Sorry about that. I just want can you uh, can you hit up our friend Rachel and make sure we get uh, week number two of uh, Wide Men Can't Jump uh, Fashion Roundup? I will definitely have her post the Wide Men Can Jump Fashion Roundup. There we go. Now we're talking. All right. Beautiful. I'm content. Well, TR, it was great having you back on the show, my brother. We have missed you very much so, and we're glad you had some time to, to jump on. We know you'll be back a little more after the first of the year when your job slows down well, a little you, bit. Uh, we'll pencil you in for Easter? <laughs> yeah, yeah, around <laughs> April. April or May. Probably. No, I, I think uh, I think uh, the start of 2019, especially now that the website's up and going, uh, there'll be a, be careful what you wish for. There might be a lot more of me than than one would think. Well, we do invite you, my friend. And then you we guys will take, have to take the heat for my um, inappropriate writings. But go ahead. I don't give a, I don't give a shit what you put. We invite everyone to jump on. WideMenCan'tJump.com, the website, and check out the blog features. I'm going to try and get another one up this week sometime, so definitely go check those out. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at WideJump, follow TR Shock, follow TileMan68, and follow me, MMITM Nathan, all on Twitter. You can join the Wide Men Can't Jump podcast group page, which is becoming more and more active lately, and I'm really enjoying that people are really uh, starting to get behind the Facebook group. It's uh, really starting to take off. So thank, thanks, everybody, for chiming in on the Facebook group. We have a big, blast Big shout-out to, uh, to Bobby Blaze, that retweeting motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, showing us some love. Thanks to Bobby for that, and thanks for jumping on doing some NFL picks with us. Uh, we invite you guys to download the show. You can actually download the show and listen to it on widemencantjump.com. So you can go over there and check us out. While you're reading some blogs, you can listen to the show. And there's oh, all kinds of cool that, stuff Are we going to make that announcement, Nate? What was the announcement? I forgot. Or are we saving it for New Year's? Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, because I don't remember what you're thinking. Well, for the numbers. Well, we did announce last week that we had hit a major milestone. But we didn't say what it was. Well, let's say let's save it for New Year's. We'll save it for New Year's. Okay, we'll save it. Big announcement coming there's New tease. Year's, guys. There's so, tease. Yeah, there's a little tease for you. So, thanks everybody for downloading the show. You can download the show at WideMenCanJump.com, iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, Pod Paradise, and much, much more. If it a pod, if it's a podcast site, we're on it. So get there, download the show, share it with your friends, get people talking, join. The podcast group page on Facebook. Follow us at Wide Jump. Follow TR, Tim, and myself at our respective pages on Twitter. A big thank you to the law offices of Stephen P. New and WildFreeCam.com for everything. And gentlemen, anything that you want to add before we get out of here? Go Togo. <laughs> uh, 
Ho, 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 and Merry Christmas. I'll be jolly at some point, I guess. Holy Jesus, dude. <laughs> Don't you sound so happy. <laughs> but thanks, everybody, for listening. Until next week, we are the Three Wide Men. This is your trio holiday spectacular. Uh, for Happy holidays, sake. motherfuckers. TR, go ahead, my man. Send us home. Peace. Thanks for listening to this show on the Wide Men Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com slash jump. You can download this and any other episode from our network at iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pod Paradise, Google Play, Player FM, and anywhere you find your favorite podcast. This show has been brought to you by the Law Offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com, facebook.com slash makeupkennedy, and wowfreecam.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at WideJump. You can follow us on Instagram at WideMenCan'tJump and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash WideMenCan'tJump. Please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Also, rate the show and tell us how we did. If you love us, please give us a five-star rating. Again, thanks for listening to this episode on the Wide Men Radio Network. Tune in, same time, same place, for the Wide Men Radio Network at blogtalkradio.com slash jump. Robin's here. She obviously knows more than anybody, but uh, not me. My buddy. I mean, yeah. My buddy. My buddy came to me with an idea. Well, we were just talking. He's not a wrestling guy. We we're talking about football and shit. And, uh, but yeah, yeah man, Rach. He's got a younger wife, and he's like fifty, fifty-one. He's like, man, Rach went to Vegas, so my buddy gave me these fucking. Cialis, but he kind of he, he makes them himself. But like, uh, blah, 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 oh God! I was like, I was like, really? I'll take them. Uh, he's like, yeah. I said, how much? You know, how much you want for them or whatever? He's like, I can give you, you know, a handful for free or whatever. He ends up giving me ten, and very effective uh, in, in the beginning, right? So uh, I'm seeing my my cock bigger than it been since I was like 17 and whatnot and performing whatever so I'm all happy with Chuck right uh, fast forward about six weeks later uh, when it starts getting cold I, uh, <laughs> somehow in the somehow in this in this recipe of, of his buddy the chemist and mate you're a pharmacist so I got fucking foreskin now. <laughs> like my, my dickhead wasn't showing and all this fucking skin was like, oh, you dumb fuck! Your, your cock was four inches long for ten years, then suddenly right. you decided to you decided to make it eight inches long for a couple of months, and it the skin stretched. You dumb fuck! I don't know what the fuck's going on. I got. Oh, I got no, that's exactly what happened. Uh, I don't know. Oh good god! I got a visual that's just killing me. CR, have you ever had there a was, piece of taffy? Have you ever had some taffy and pulled it? That's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't go it doesn't back. Go back. <laughs> it doesn't go back. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> it was fucked up because, like, I, 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 appreciate I, the extra? I, I, I um, discovered it with, with the morning shit, you know, I'm trying to shit, and then you pee, 
and I'm feeling pee like all over my dick and like squirting <laughs> sideways into my underwear where I'm sitting. I'm like, what the fuck? And I look down and my my dickhead's nowhere to be found, but <laughs> but fucking piss is going all over the place. Oh, and then shit, I stand the up, PR. I stand up, and I have to fucking reel it back all the way. I'm like fucking. <laughs> Tom Robinstein, all of a sudden. <laughs> Drawing back the curtains at the garden. Tom Robinstein. Oh, God. She, said, she, actually, she actually pointed out when I was standing, which was always comforting. She, she, she said, I thought you were circumcised. Well, whatever you do, don't take my anger for your balls, eh? 